There is no escape. We pay for the violence of our ancestors. From the Collected Sayings of Moadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Spice World, an inebriated exploration of Frank Herbert's Dune. My name is Derek. And my name is Mike. With each chapter, we open a new bottle of wine and have a bit of a buzzed book club here. And we are back again for another week of fun and excitement, Oh, Mike. man. We've it's got some nice. food in our bellies now. Yeah. So <laughs> Behind the scenes, we took a week off. We went camping. It was yeah, great. Great fun time. Found out we have very poor water discipline. <laughs> <We> did, <laughs> it was a big mistake. Lost water so quick. <laughs> So uh, uh, we're we're uh, we're wiser. We're gonna take a book out of the Fremen's uh, pages here. Yeah, I think I'm gonna copy a few pages down. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was really bad considering we've been reading this for about six months now. Did I say a book out of the pages? Maybe. <laughs> I think I did. I think whatever. So. <laughs> That's why it's the first week back. Yeah. Uh, but Mike, uh, let's let's stick with the proper order of operations here. We got a wine. We do have a wine. So now we've had this one for a while now, just sort of chilling out, right? Yeah. And you gave me a couple to choose from, and uh, I think I think I hit the mark. Mm. Uh, so this is Crucible's Incantation. It's a uh, a red blend out of uh, California. Ooh. And uh, the bottle itself is cool. It's very red, and it has sort of a, a metallic snake uh, coiled. That's into the very bottom, cool. You think that's day right. sign for someone? Day sign. Oh, that, that sounds like a Piter day sign. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. a very hardcore yeah, thing. Yeah. I can't think of like it's not like a Gurney or an Idaho. No, they aren't like that secretive or something. Though that might have been a good one for Thufir that we didn't think of. Maybe. I mean, no, I think Wrinkly Old Owl just suits him yeah. best. But I mean, like a Piter with so much venom. Ooh, I think. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go, my my boy Piter. So the the two bits, uh, this crucible, I think, is going to apply to this chapter quite a bit. Uh, I mean, I believe that's what Thufir was put through. I'm not gonna lie. So I mean, the worms are cool. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite chapter so far. So, really? Yeah. Of them all? Yeah, so okay. far. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see why. There's points to get to. Um, the other point with this line is it's called Incantation. And I ah! think that's going to fit in on how Jessica kind of plays with Thufir a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. We bust out some great uh, Bene Gesserit Bene powers. Bene witch. Yeah, so close to an Unchained Bene Gesserit that you oh. want. The ones with no rules. It's so good. All right. Well, instead of just talking about how awesome it is, why don't we just... Dig deep and dig deep and dive right into this first quote. Woo! Uh, which uh, kind of a dramatic cut. Um, yeah. Coming off of that last one where we saw kind of everyone at the knife's edge, like there was so much danger at that dinner table mm-hmm. uh, and the potential for it, and we didn't know whose side anybody was on. And now we're going into this one just knowing that, like Moadib is saying, you pay for the violence of your ancestors. I mean, whoever it was that started that uh, house feud. Could also be sort of a threat, and maybe he's kind of like imagine him saying that to a Harkonnen. Oh, that's true. We don't know what the context we of it don't, is, but we know how far Piter's plan is kind of closed around. Can you imagine so. him with a Chris knife in his hand, like walking oh. towards someone. Oh, I can't. Oh, oh, oh God! Can. Oh no! I can with blue eyes at oh, that point too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ah. Uh. But I yeah I don't got much more to extrapolate out of that quote than it's that, very ominous, oh, very so dark. silly to think about. This is all happening because of a, a house feud that happened thousands, thousands of, years, of ago. years ago that no one even really remembers. Mm-mm. Certainly, even I have trouble recollecting right? it to you sometimes. I'm just like, what one was that? <laughs> what was Battle that? of Corin? Oh, that's the ticket. That's just ridiculous. They, but 
Yeah, it's a pretty clear-cut one, I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't and, uh, see any hidden meaning in this one. Nope, and then another one from the collected sayings of Moa Deep. So we've seen that book pop up before. Oh, yeah. But now the piece de resistance. We're going to have to make a... Uh, an Irulan library on our website. A little, you want just to sort look. of sort out like what her books are and like what we've read so far from them. Which ones we've checked out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring them back with our library card. Uh, and full citation. <laughs> we'll, we'll get on that, we'll add that page to it. Uh, but we are, we're joining, we're after the dinner party. Mm-hmm. And uh, classic to Dune, we're not going to move too far ahead in time. Heaven forbid we have more than a couple days past. <laughs> uh, so ridiculous. Yeah. So now it's 2 a.m. from the night of the dinner party. Yeah. And uh, Jessica stirs in her room. And uh, if there's sort of some noise. She looks over at the clock. Now, did this stand out at you at all? That clock was off. It was off. By about 21 uh, minutes. 21 minutes. She had to do some math. She knew it was 21 minutes off, though. Yeah. Um, do you think she's just able to exactly know what time it is? Ooh, uh, yeah, she would actually have a mean internal clock. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be a point where she gets kind of like uh, rendered unconscious. And when she comes to, she's like piecing together. It's 631. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, she just oh does gosh. like this like rebuilding before she even opens her eyes. And it's just like. That's like men. She's like, something's not right. And yeah, something's not right. And then like looks around. Yeah, that's really cool. It's cool. So it is. I also think she might have just because she's dealt with the stuff in the house. I was attributing to her just having foreknowledge of that. Oh, yeah. Because if you'll recall, I have a quote from chapter seven I want to go back to. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah, do, if you uh, recall, um, I, it I goes do. like this. He glanced at his wristwatch. And you might see that all of our timepieces are adjusted for Eric Keen Local. I've assigned a tech to take care of it. He'll be along presently. And that was Leto talking God to her. Goddamn tech. This was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> this would not fly for any other servant. Nope, a lot's <laughs> happened. And this is before Paul was assassinated, like, or an <laughs> attempt on him. You missed a chapter, Mike. Oh, no. Yeah, but before that attempt on him, the Hunter yeah. Seeker, all of that. I, that. That was a good catch. I totally, it's been so long for yeah. us. Now, it could have been, like, post-Hunter Seeker. Leto, I can see him bringing everybody back. Like, you're not a son, you're on guard duty. Like, yeah. don't worry about the clock. <laughs> but that just, Yeah, that totally makes sense. It stood out to me that he specifically told her this, and then she's going to look at the clock and be like, oh, that clock's wrong. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, it just makes sense that she would know that because it is, like, a day or two ago, depending on how we look at it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, no, it's been weeks for us. <laughs> a long time for us. So. It's been, what, 10 chapters? We're on chapter 17. That's so cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's over two months. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a while. That is a long time. But I got it. I wanted to bring it back. Good job. A plus there. You know this book like the back of my hand soon. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, loud disturbance. And immediately her mind's going to go to the obvious yeah. question. Where's Paul? Where's Paul? And is this a Harkonnen attack? She and lo- that's kind of be why. She's got like this matrix style setup of monitors. She just checks out. He's uh like we said in the end of the last chapter, he's like down in the basements, like far away from where Les guns would uh, mm-hmm. do any real damage. Yeah. And uh yeah, we have it kind of quickly set up. And it's weird that like we have a camera down on Paul in the basement, but we don't have one in the front of the house yet. Yeah. And that room was just set up. And I mean, granted, Paul is going to be priority that it overrides almost is, anything. Are these just her monitors? Like, who's watching these? Because it doesn't say anyone else is there. Yeah, this is just hers because it's also into, like, Leto's bedroom. So right. I can't imagine anyone else should have, like, something right, like right. that available to them. Uh, maybe through fear. Uh, but on referencing that, we look into Leto's room and his bed has not even been rough. Yeah, no, he just he, he, ne- never, came he to, never came home. He doesn't sleep. I'm no. telling you, Paul gets it from later. Oh, yeah, he hasn't slept yet at all since we got into Arrakis, and we know he hasn't slept in a, probably the week before he left. So it, it's no, I think he probably got some rest on the Highliner. Nope. 
You don't know? No, for, we're gonna we're gonna get some word from him. Oh, uh, really? He's gonna give us a little context. And I'm you think for, that's why he had that mental breakdown with Paul? The other <laughs> probably, I for sure. Lido's like past state for the couple of days, a hundred percent, has to do with no sleep. I recently made that uh, that letter to Paul. Uh, oh like yeah, the, it, the last will yeah, and testament. The last will testament. I extrapolated all of Lido's lines and put it into a letter format. Yeah. And halfway through, he just sounds really manic. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like talking about like I don't like I have to hurt your mother, but I don't want to. It's like, by the way, did you know that we make <laughs> film filament out of spice? It's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> We're doing great. Yeah, <laughs> this next Everything's quarter fine. is gonna go wonderful. <laughs> this is fine. We might all die. So uh, yeah, no, I can I can start to see just the the madness sort of taking him over a little bit. Mm. Madness, you say? Yeah. Keep in mind. Keep that in mind. So, like I said, there are no screens in the front of the house. Lido's are gone. She hears someone calling for Yui a couple of times, though, because oh. we're uh, we're in the east wing at this point, so we're okay. not that far removed from the front of the house. Right, right. Uh, so Jessica, getting up, throws on a robe, grabs her Chris knife, and then she's out the door. Uh-uh. Not gonna leave without that. So that is very quickly part of her routine, I think. That knife, knowing the importance of it and everything, it's never going to leave her, like, her right. body, essentially. Right, right, Um, And while she's going out the door, that other thought crossed her mind. Like, she's already run Paul through her head. Right, but she doesn't know where Leto is. Yeah, the next man in her heart, where is Leto? Could it be him? Especially because they're calling for Yui, Yui. Right, right, right. Uh, did that make uh, her stand up on the back of your neck at all? Anytime Honestly, someone's looking for Yui and in a situation, I'm like, ooh, is this it? First time reading it, I'm just like, oh, man, this is it. Mm-hmm. You thinking like you're never. Well, I wasn't even known for the, like calling for Yui or calling like after Yui or like what went oh, down. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, just thinking it. like, oh, did it happen? I didn't even get to see it. That actually would have been a slap in the face from Frank. Yui, you traitor. <laughs> I would have been so upset. Um, so yeah, she leaves going into this mystery trying to solve it. And I like the uh, imagery here where it seemed, uh, she goes out, the hall seemed to stretch out forever under her running feet. Yeah. And you know, uh, oh, this poor we, woman, she's had a terrible couple of I days. I was going to reflect back to the last time she was running, you know, where it was like a slow build. Yeah. Of like, walk, walk, run, run, run. Oh, and she's like bolting off after Paul. Like this is immediately turning right back up. And I think that's going to put her in a familiar state of mind. And, uh. She runs through, um, and we get sort of a, a little description of the uh, setup of this house, because we're going, like, down the passage to the Great Hall and finding this place brightly lit. And mm. this wall suspensers, uh, you know, we see the dining hall again on the right. way, too. These are all these rooms that we've been in a few times now. A Morte standing watch. Oh, yeah. Always. Ever vigilant. I assume she stops for a second just to, like, give him a look. Like, Come on. <laughs> like, tip of the hat. <laughs> and then scowls at the Duke. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> the person, the bird, keeps <laughs> on going. And uh, when she finally gets there, this place fully illuminated. Our glow globes are on right. max, which we know will follow you a little bit. Yeah, all these cool the glow globes. Uh, every time I see them now, I'm just like I appreciate them so much more. Little, now. little giddy, just they're really cool. Them turn on, they're really cool. Like, and uh, two guards are holding Duncan Idaho, and they chastise him for waking the lady Jessica. I did not see that coming. No, no, it's just like it's out of the blue. I mean, it really is. And it makes, uh, we kind of kind of start to understand why. Like, we've clearly that order from Thufir, like, almost pushed Duncan too far. Right. And, uh, oh, yeah, she'll get in. Oh, uh, you think have, that was the tipping point for him? There, I think are, it, there are a few things I want to get right. to. Uh, oh, but I also really wanted to build towards, we're going to get to see a little glossary word coming up. Yeah, uh-huh. we're going to get to see a couple of them. They are. So, Mapes is in this, uh, is down there too. Yeah, she's like hastily put on her boots and is like running down. So, well, I wanted to bring that up. They point out her boots, right? They're mm-hmm. kind of like uh, on, she has them on. I wonder if that's the desert style. The unlaced like boots that she can just get her feet into quick. Because don't uh, we call it like slip style? Uh, no, uh, slit style. Slit style. Okay. 
Uh, but that could be like either on the side or something. And I'm thinking like a way to get your foot in really fast and quick. And maybe, maybe. that's why they're like I, that. I'll reread that because I, I guess I didn't really think about that. But yeah, so much. ultimately, yeah, unlaced desert boots, at least showing you a little bit of unpreparation and haste on her part. Or like how quickly there. she can just like get up and go. Ooh, yeah. You and think maybe, she was asleep? I mean, it's pretty late. You know, every time you ask me if somebody's asleep, I think it's a loaded question. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I don't trust. Like when, I, when I read this, I just think of her in like a nightgown, a little cap, and she's wearing these big black boots. boots. <laughs> oh, Maves. <laughs> I, I think she was probably like as asleep as anyone could be. And then the slightest tremor. Especially Ready for action. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, tremor anything that could alert some sort of like sound no well i wasn't trying to be like uh tapping on worms a little bit there if that's where you build it but it is a nice parallel yeah Uh, i just mean um any alarm and that she is so dedicated to the lady jessica and to paul most likely um based on all the prophecy we know from kinds at this point Mm -hmm. that that's why i think she's down there at the door I think she would aid the family if the like the traitor or like the Harkonnen attack did occur at this point. Well, all things considered, I think uh, Kynes is still like on the fence, but uh, Mapes, I think she's all all in. All she's, in, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, the doors open. I think that would infuriate her. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that might be what <laughs> brought what woke, her down there. Sound, that's what woke her up. <laughs> that might, it might have been humidity in the air. They opened that it's door. Point one degrees of colder. What happened? Shout out door closer. Shout out door closer. Uh, now Idaho. Oh, he is drunk as drunk can be. Yeah, and he's like, so I woke the JD Jessica, the Lady Jessica. Ah, uh, my sword was first blooded on Gramon. <laughs> So we know we know who he killed first. Did you mention that during the? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, that was when he was protecting the family that was, was leaving. leaving. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, a funny little thing to learn. Uh, yeah, and so that is those points where um, they originate in Dune, and the encyclopedia is definitely like backfilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's digging for all these references and being like, "We're going to make this worthwhile," uh, and it is great. It's delightful. And then Jessica comes back with our classic great mother. He's drunk. <laughs> Spice beer. Spice beer. I want spice beer in my life. That sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he must, he's been making a scene for a while. The guards, yeah, they had to pull him inside. Yeah, they were afraid he was just going to make like a, a big public display. People were going to see him and kind of judge them. Yeah, all. it doesn't look good on the house. Yeah, because spice beer hits you hard, Mike. Apparently. Now, what do you think it tastes like? Oh, a little bit of cinnamon. A lot of cinnamon. A lot of cinnamon. Yeah. Cinnamon beer. That sounds pretty good. Because mm-hmm. we we have like spice wine. We have spice beer. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I don't know if it's a little more refreshing and like uh, clearly not hops, but whatever they're going to put into it. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess just spice and water. Just, and sand. <laughs> Yeast and sand. <laughs> sand for good measure. <laughs> it's just cinnamon mud. <laughs> and we like it. <laughs> it's a delicacy. But uh, no, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. How much spice beer would you have to drink for your eyes to turn blue? Uh, that's uh, It takes some time. Yeah. It takes a few years. Uh, I just, oh, does it? Yeah, that's about it building up in your sclera, remember? So is, is it a mutation that happens? It is the spice getting caught in the fibers of your, like, uh, sclera. Right. In the, of the yeah. eye. And then okay, it's, just, and then it's, it's the, slowly dyeing it. Because it's, di- the, it's literally the particles oh. are accumulating in your eye. And okay, I didn't know if it was dying it or if it just uh, suddenly blue light uh, wouldn't wasn't absorbed anymore. It would just bounce off your... Oh, uh, I, I don't know about that part of it, but I'm just saying you're like well, that way it visually blue to everyone. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, it is. Di- it's like the particles are okay, going in your okay. eye. I see what you're saying there. Um, I, w- I wonder though if it does give you like uh, makes it easier to see out in the desert. 
I don't know. Like a little, little block and some light coming in and uh, some Oh, that's up. a good point because oh, it's like yeah, a yeah. built-in blue light That's filter. what I thought you were kind of getting to. Um, oh, I mean, uh, yeah. That's exactly sure. That's good <laughs> too. Science. But uh, yeah, no, that's actually a really cool uh, feature to think about. Wait, was that a was, was that a pretty well-known fact back in the I don't 50s? think so. No, no. Uh, like, I never knew that till you brought it up and we right. start, we kind of dug into that of you guessing that word. I mean, like, yeah. is that the one? And then, yeah, that shows up in the encyclopedia, so... Okay. Uh, otherwise, I just you know blue within blue. I just accepted it without question. Right. Right. Well, hey, I'm just saying maybe maybe Frank uh, did a little bit more research than we gave him credit for. I, I always am. I'm assuming there is some folder in his boxes of stuff. One of them's going to be like sclera and just have like all this stuff on <laughs> blue eyes. question mark. Yeah, <laughs> just like weird research he did in that niche subject. Ah, uh, but we digress. Yeah. So Idaho, we uh, I think Jessica's kind of asking like, you know, what is going? Why is he here? What is going on? And uh, he was uh, with one of the escort wenches, and you know, he had been he was supposed to take he went her home, home with someone. Yeah, he was, but to sort of gain information, probably or just like, yeah, make- yeah, it seemed like. I, so I don't know if that is a euphemism too. Maybe of them saying like, maybe Duncan was just out with a whore. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think uh, I think he is because uh, well, we had the escort woman there, it's and sort of like she the, would be one of her, like present presumably work for whore. I think it's like and the like, James Bond mentality, mm-hmm. where like you take someone who's very handsome, who's very uh, charming, yep, um, but who is like uh, uh, loyal to a fault, and will you know be very subtle in the information he gathers. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're dead on. But I'm saying I think he was trying to infiltrate that escort. Woman. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and so that's why it's her wench, and yeah. Send him out, but then he well, wasn't. Uh, yeah. No, no, it wasn't her. It was the uh, the still suit maker who was uh, kind of shady. But the escort uh, uh, empress, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's her empire, but it's. I'll give you know. that. That is just a t- uh, could be a confusing I, word. Oh, I guess with the far from Give, just, give not the a great, imperium. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Shaddam uh, might take a little offense to that one. Yeah, no, the uh, the entrepreneur who runs the escort service. Um. I didn't really think that anything was shady about her. Uh, yeah, I just got that. It, like, she was invited there for a reason. You know, they're all trying to figure out where people lie. But yeah, she didn't get any, like, um, any screen time. Right. We didn't really get to meet her or talk to her. Uh, I'm just sort of deriving. But certainly the steel suit manufacturer was the... He had a lot of cards on the table or in play. Do you think um, it was just through fear trying to check all the boxes? He yeah, 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 yeah. Get under everybody and like, let's figure it out. Yeah, because uh, certainly we're going to send spies into all of their organizations right. regardless. I bet. Do you think it was uh, bef- like during like going home with her or like uh, after the fact that he tapped into the spice fear? Because that'd be really awkward if it was like, let's have a, a nightcap real quick. And then Duncan's like, yeah, I first flooded. Uh, I was going to say, do you think she reminded him of the girl he left on the planes? Oh, the, oh. The, the ex we were talking about last time. Oh, <laughs> Whose man. fate we don't know. Whose name we don't know. Nope, nothing about her. Uh, so I, I don't know. Uh, I keep wanting to hold off on talking about why Duncan got drunk until we get to Jessica bringing up the, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, but we're told that Duncan was out, uh, and, uh, the guard, he glances at mates before he wants to divulge this information. Yeah. Which I think is curious. I'm not sure if that's, he doesn't trust her or if it's just cause she's like a woman around that he's about to say this, like, oh, they're it's always really, calling on Idaho for special surveillance of the ladies. I, I think it's definitely because uh, Fremen. Yeah. yeah, not someone definitely not Atreides. Not no, a no, no. It's like who is this person? Like I know she's like your servant, but yeah, yeah. I wonder how much they even know that. Of, yeah, like, house, yeah, just housekeeper. Uh, yeah, because she just walks around like she owns the place, pretty much. <laughs> Pulling a bull's head down the hallway. <laughs> I don't need any help. Out of my way. <laughs> 
So Jessica, she sends Mapes off to go get some coffee. Uh, there's some spiced coffee left in the kitchen from dinner, or presumably probably like a little dessert coffee after dinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Duncan's going on, uh, killed over 300 men for the Duke. <laughs> I put next to that one, humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> Drunk flex. <laughs> yeah. Probably accompanied with a real flex, right. like while he says it. And uh, he's just like, his head is swinging around unsettably. And he says he peers at an angle towards uh, Jessica when he says that. And all these, uh, I like how it's all spelled phonetically. Yeah. So you really like, get like, a really, feel for how he's talking. Yeah, I really appreciated that. <laughs> and you just slur it all. And, Kill him uh, for the Duke. This one I found a little weird where he's like, you can't live under the ground and you can't live on the ground here. I'm like, he's not happy finished. with either. Yeah, but he's also one of the under the ground. That's he's been with the Fremen. Yeah, Yeah. but he's not happy there. No, he's not happy with like being on Arrakis in general, even with the Duke. Mm -hmm. I mean, he misses his home, Kaladin. Yeah, and just like, what kind of place is this? Just like that is his view, and like I think uh, we do got to keep in mind how unique his experience with the Fremen is to everybody else. Right, That's, that's a Duncan only kind of thing right now. Um, Thufir would have a good idea of it, but, uh, and, you know, Leto maybe from his reports, but Duncan's and, seen it all firsthand. And Gurney's on the side, I'm like, you will refer to his lord. You'll <laughs> <laughs> say this. And Tears this. streaming down his face. <laughs> he's probably got, like, a little pamphlet that tells you how he's gonna, like, throw it on the ground. <laughs> Just like, I hate this. But, uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting point, because the Duke chose to come here. He had a choice. Uh, Duncan really kind of I mean, I, I think okay. it's tough I mean to yeah get. it is a hard choice mm-hmm. and like there are circumstances but like at the end of the day he did have options Duncan I mean his option is follow or defect as well but he probably can't afford a trip to two pile Inter- I, I like that uh comparison though too where like each of them can't really say no can they right even though you're you're kind of pointing out they have the opera like that's it but right like the, it's just it, it grinds too much against them, like, right. and they're where they fit in the Frau Frauluchus, so to speak. Like, yeah, they they just almost physically can't do it, even mm. though they want to, right? And it would make them happier. Oh my god, if everyone just went to two pile, yeah, and we just stopped, <laughs> except for Paul, we didn't have enough tickets for all of them. Oh, I, Mike, every time I say it, I'm not including Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'm including Gurney through fear. <laughs> you need to do 16 years of service to get on this car. <laughs> So uh, at this point, we have another character enter, Dr. Yui. Dr. Yui comes. From the side hall, pale and exhausted. Oh, what's he been doing? Again, each time it makes me like, (laughs) is this it? Did you lead out? Where'd that job come from? (laughs) How many anti-fatigue bills do you have? (laughs) What are you up to? Uh, And then we get to Jessica. She can't figure out why Duncan got drunk. Was he drugged? And that helps kind of emphasize how unusual it is and maybe how disciplined Duncan is. Right. Something has broken him. It's hard to say because this is like my second time really interacting with this dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you, you just get my assurance. First impression was great. Second impression's a little, <laughs> little rough around the edges. I'm starting to think that first impression was really carried by Stilgar. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> maybe we didn't really meet Idaho as much <laughs> yeah. as we thought. Uh, and then uh, at this point, Mapes returns, and mm-hmm. she returns with uh, what you pointed out to me was a steaming, steaming cup of coffee. <laughs> of coffee in her hand. That, yeah. She stops uncertainly behind Yui. She looked at Jessica, who mm. shakes her head. 
I go, no! <laughs> Every time. I wonder what you're thinking. Like, what? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Yui. Well, we're going to get to that actually. It's like, I think Yui is always just like, they're going to figure me out. They're going to figure me out. You just got to, well, you know, get through tonight, Yui. Get through tonight. Uh, yeah. So she, uh, Jessica takes that cup and um, she steps forward, slaps Idaho across the cheek. Yeah, she says she has to uh, shock him. Like, because he won't accept the caffeine. He won't she, accept the coffee. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he just keeps saying it's every, everything's wrong here. Everything's wrong with, like, uh, the whole, tired of the whole imperial universe. Not the first person we've heard bring that up. Yeah. Because that's the same sentiment we heard Leto express. Every, I mean, they've got a problem with the the Farfaluches, the Imperium as a whole. Like, it's what's causing this. Mm-hmm. It makes, like, these, like, this unnecessary conflict. Do you think there's a possibility you could... Like, how would you d- even disband the Farfaluches? It's been around for so long. I don't even think you could. Well, I mean, like, if the Emperor died, but then the Landsrad would all fight for power. Uh, if you want to get rid of Farfaluches? Yeah. God Emperor. God Emperor? That's what you need. Is That's the fourth book? Fourth one, yeah. Oh, so oh, yeah. it actually does come to an end. Wait, Pretty. how many years afterwards? Because we, we've discussed that happens. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The oh, it's thousands. Series is, oh, God. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to, we're not shaking up Frau for Luchus anytime soon. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, it would be. That's kind of cool. The, I want to know how it happens. Yeah, but I, but I guess like uh, you trying to shake it up, it's sort of like that is the whole underpinning thing in this universe. It's keeping everything in place and causing the story to happen is okay. like because the Frau for Luchus is here. And none of these people are, like, operating against it. Like, it, it doesn't even seem like we recognize that as our foe. It's just, like, the process that humans have assembled in. Okay. You know, like, uh, it's one of those things where Frank Herbert believed that feudalism was... Um, the natural... The natural form of, like, uh, organization that humans would take. Not that it's the right one or the correct one, but it's just easy. And it's something well, we it shows up into. in a lot of different cultures that have, like, very little contact with one another while setting up that type of Yeah, government. I mean, it, it's a pyramid structure. It's very easy, and it provides security and incentive to, like, the lower tiers mm. to move up within it. And, of course, they're blocked by the upper tiers who want to retain their upper tierness. It sounds really familiar for really? some reason. Oh, That's strange. Wild. I can't put my finger on it, though, so let's continue. And, uh, the good doctor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love this. This seems like, because um, he was, uh, Frank Herbert was in the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wonder if this is from his military days, where he calls him the uh, splitting pill man. <laughs> that sounds like something straight that, out that of World War like II. That sounds like, yeah, Yeah, like a very classic uh, but like you were saying, uh, Jessica, she decides that shock treatment is the answer. And that's what makes her slap him across the face. Mm-hmm. And uh, she hits him pretty hard because he stumbles back with his guards glaring at her. And that was two grown men holding yeah. him. Uh, and he's sort of just like, you know, caught off guard. And she's telling him, you know, that's no way to act in your Duke's home. And uh, then she snatches up the cup from Yui's hand, spilling mm-hmm. part of it. She thrusts the cup towards Idaho. And she says, now, drink this. That's in order. Idaho, he breaks right here because he's not going to take this order. And he tells her with careful and precise enunciation. He so, takes his time to really say it. Up to this point, this boy has not spoken a clear word. And he just says, I do not take orders from a damn Harkonnen spy. Yui stiffened, whirled. I'm like, God damn it, Yui. You're like the slapstick guy here right now. It's like, I know from the perspective of Jessica, it's like, oh, like, he must suspect, like, the uh, shock. He knew, of- yeah, he knew he had to have some idea as well. Mm-hmm. 
But I do think you're right. In Yui's head, it's just like, oh, no. Oh, I, think, no. I think he's thinking Jessica is going to cut right through yeah. him now because of how close that last conversation came. She has no attention on Yui, though. That oh, no. that's, that stuns her for a moment. And she's like, oh, it all makes sense now. Yeah, uh, that I think that diamond tattoo is just perfect camouflage for him right now. <laughs> yeah, It really honestly, that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot clicks into place for Jessica. Yui knew she demands to see through fear how at this point. Just like, because it's going through, like, there's only one person who would have put all this together. And been Bring able me. to implement it, too. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, she even, like, asks, um, she asks that soldier where he is, and this poor guy, because uh, I feel like at this moment, he no longer is working on guard duty. He is working for Jessica Atreides right now, because <laughs> yeah. he's like, oh, I've, oh, I don't work here, because she's like, you're going to get through fair? He's like, he's in the city. And she's like, do you want me to get the Duke? Because <laughs> oh. we can bring Wait, him. is her last name Atreides? Okay. Oh, oh, because you're not married? Oh. Mm, Ooh, sick burn. <laughs> every time. Even she would be like, that's yeah, a good one. Though. That's a good one. Sick burn, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Oh, I don't know how that works. It's just the Lady Jessica. It's what she's always referred always to. Always referred to as. But uh, she, she gets a tradies later on. She oh. is in the, well, she's in the encyclopedia. So, like, concubinage is a legal, like, um, union. Even so you can enter a family under, under the name as a concubine. I think you are brought in. So she's just not married. So I don't know where that lies in. But so like in okay. the Roman line that I read from when they did, it was like 23 BC or 23 AD something when they uh, legalized. Oh, I might ignore that date. Uh, when, <laughs> I was just going to say like you just like add that. On the I, well, like, I read it recently. So I'm pretty <laughs> cued in. But uh, regardless, it doesn't affect the actual okay, context okay, yeah, yeah, where sure, they sure. legalized concubinage as a way for like um, – your affairs and stuff you can have children and they just have no attempt to take your name or your title oh like they're not able to be heirs and it was just like it's like a, a release valve for that kind of thing but in this case uh that's just a legal thing like they can't claim it but in this right, case right, but they are like all part of the family like those right. are your sons you acknowledge them they aren't like bastards or like right. shunned off to the corners of the empire they just totally aren't going to be the duke and in this case leto like that's the whole point of having this kid. Like, that is his heir. Yeah, yeah. Which makes it even more confusing of, like, what a weird window into this wonky universe we have peered through. Oh, this did not pass me by. Last chapter, no windows. Oof, we're going to have to run by that we'll one. Well, look it up. But I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see a single window. I did some editing and just, like, I don't see it. It's and I didn't just edit the windows out. <laughs> like, that would be great. <laughs> You gotta like take stuff out of my book too. Like, <laughs> yeah. A little white out here, a little delete there. Can I see your notes real quick? <laughs> so, uh, once all this clicks in for Jessica mm-hmm. and she knows she demands a Thithupir, um, there's no point of this cup of coffee anymore. Oh <laughs> so no. She just dashes it in Idaho's face. Oh. And this is where we need to refer back to uh, a steaming oh. cup of coffee. And, yeah, uh, it's. How hot does it have to be to be steaming in this already hot place? Oh, good point. I don't know how cold the actual palace is itself. It does cool down a little bit at night. Yeah, yeah. It's it's okay, but uh, still still warm. Even if that was like adequate drinking temperature, that's not gonna feel great. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> on your face. And uh, she tells them lock him in the guest room here in the east wing. And the guards just like we can take him to you know the proper place and put him back in. She's like he's supposed to be here. He has a job to do. <laughs> After all, they are always calling on Idaho for surveillance of the ladies. Yeah, no, uh, it says her voice dro- uh, dripped bitterness. Ugh. He's so good at watching the ladies. 
That's where guard just like yes, yes, ma'am. Oh, I don't think he would speak, but yeah, yeah, complete subservience from that boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like oh yeah, the guard swallowed. Is that all? Yeah, the guard swallowed. And then, uh, do you know where the duke is? He's at the command post, my lady. <laughs> oh god, like broken vault. <laughs> Whatever lady wants. Yeah, bring Howat now, and don't make her call the duke to make this happen. And then uh, oh, Jessica dismisses mates for the night. Actually, she almost uh, weaponizes the threat of the Duke and says, if necessary, I'll call the Duke. And sort of, yeah, kind of holding it over. Yeah. And that's where I very much mean, like, he works for Jessica now. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, whatever this guy was doing before, <laughs> that's not your job anymore. <laughs> and um, I think uh, we, Yui tries to, uh, one, Yui, quite the pusher here, uh, where he's like, perhaps let's wait till tomorrow. I could give you a sedative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And uh, she, like, shuts him down right away. And just like, you'll return to your quarters and leave me to handle this my way. And, yeah. Like, but she, she pats his arm yeah. to take the sting out of her command. She is just, like, Yui. Jessica was the only one, I think, that could have discovered She's Yui's the one that got treachery. the closest, yeah. And she is just wrapped around his finger without him really realizing how much that he's got a perfect camouflage with her. Yeah, I would have liked to get a little moment of Yui's uh, thought right yeah, there. Yeah, I really would right have appreciated that. Him, just Actually, like... this entire time, even with uh, when they mentioned the traitor, I really wish that we could have seen Yui a little bit more here. Because it was really entertaining seeing their conversation outside of Paul's room. Yeah. And that cat and mouse game. And yeah. I think, oh, wherever he was when she turned, when she turned and like looked right at him and stuff. Like, I want to know where his mind mm-hmm. was at. Um, so she angrily is going to walk back to her room. She's going to slam her door. I love that uh, she thrust the empty cup into Mapes' hands, mm. met the questioning stare of the blue within blue eyes, and says, you may return to bed, Mapes. I feel like Mapes is just like looking at her like, you want me to rough someone up? I'll kill anybody here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I bet she could, though. And May- oh, my God. Yeah, they got like a good repertoire between them. Yeah. Like, already an understanding and yeah. very little words. Uh, and I think Mapes has a really clear assessment of danger. And just like what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, knows where to be at the right time. I mean, I mean, even in this case, uh, Lady Jessica, if Mapes doesn't say anything, she could probably read her pretty well. Yeah, Lady Jessica, like read know what she's thinking, yeah. and then Lady Jessica is the one who vocalizes, "Like, you're fine. You mm-hmm. can go to sleep. It's fine." And we know there's just sort of a, a certain pragmatism with the Fremen in general. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she goes back to her room, slams the door. Mm-hmm. She's not in a great mood. No, and now we're going to do this. Oh, my One of my favorite little bits in this chapter is Jessica sets the room up. She is She's going, preparing. She is preparing to encounter a Mentat, one of the best Mentats in the Imperium, because that's how we know Thufir by reputation. And this is a Bene Gesserit doing the planning. She doesn't just set up, like, where things are in case there's a, like, combative move. She sets up the chair that she sits in mm-hmm. in a very authoritative power play kind of position. It's a position of command to the door. That's really cool. A really great chair. A schlog skin chair. A schlog skin chair? What's a schlog, Derek? Oh, what? It's a flower on two piles. No. <laughs> it is the animal that was hunted to near extinction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now we know why. It must be a big chair. Yeah. <laughs> I was glad to see that come up now. Yeah, it's like, it's oh, like we finally, I think we were wondering, like, where does it actually pop up? Yeah, I think I think killed me for like two weeks. I did not remember <laughs> slog the next week either. So uh, she was suddenly very conscious of the shift of the Chris knife in its sheath on her leg. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she so moves she, it to her arm. Yeah, removes it and tests the drop of it too. She's actually prepared to kill Thufir right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, with the Chris knife. I don't think she hadn't really gotten a chance to. I wonder if she's eager or a little excited, even just like. No, nah, I don't think so. No, not for them. Just to use this blade, Mike. This is a beautiful, self-glowing blade. 
But yeah, she is usually a little more disciplined than that. So uh, she gives it kind of a uh, a once over mm-hmm. afterwards. And this is also her sort of um, putting it into her mind, making this like um, remembered image of everything, a photographic kind of image in her mind right. of like where she's finally put it in place. Because like you're saying, she's ready for a danger, an emergency, anything to come up um, and no precisely how far she can move in any direction. I mean, here's the thing. You can damn well bet when Thufir comes in, he's going to have all that knowledge processed and ready to go. Uh, what? What's in the room? Yeah. He's going to have to, t- he's, she'll have him at his disadvantage. He's going to have to do it when he comes in. Yeah, but he's a mentat. He is. No, no, I'll give you it's quick, but she's going to be watching that. I, I don't know how to compare a mentat's thinking speed to a Bene Gesserit's observation speed. Um, based on what we've seen in this so far, it usually takes them a bit to, to put together their thoughts once they do observe something like who the Benny Gesserit. Okay. Like they'll yep. observe something and then they'll sort of mull it over in their head. Like, what does that mean? Could it be this? And like, they do it very well, but I, I mean, how many numbers do they crunch in? 20,000 was that basic number yeah. That, yeah, for memorization. Like, I'm pretty in sure the one. Mentats haven't beat on that. Sure. And you think, uh, more parallel running processes kind of. Yeah. yeah. And like you said, one of the most formidable Mentats, Master of Assassins. Oh in the, I just like, love being able to say, this in isn't the Imperium. Thufir's, like, this isn't Thufir's first rodeo. Like, Mike, you're not going to say Karita? <laughs> his first Karita? It's not his first bullfight, man. <laughs> Get your games right. <laughs> this guy's got a theme. <laughs> but, so uh, we have a little description of a couple of things in the room. So we mm. have a, a chaise near the corner. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So it's those sort of like long flatbeds that you would take therapy on. Okay, yeah. Uh, a chaise lounge. And uh, we have some straight chairs along the wall, two low tables, and her stand-mounted zither. So Jessica, ah, play some music. That's really cool. Yeah, and uh, that is a familial relation of the Balisette. Well, uh, yeah, zither would be a uh, progenitor mm-hmm. of the Balisette, based off of what I have considered the Balisette to be. Yep. Oh, yeah, it's in our glossary, too. Yeah. Uh, in the description of it, as it in. It says a zither, and uh, it has another instrument, right? Was it a lyre? I li- think so. I think liar? it's a lyre. Uh, like the cross between the two. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. There's... So we also have, uh, she'll just go with like, a, there's a pale rose light in the Smith Spencer's and she dims those. And then she sits down in the armchair. So it's like a, we're looking like a red light glowing on this kind of room. Appreciating the chair's regal heaviness for this occasion. Oh, that's log skin. <laughs> this is a mental game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very <clears throat> much so. I like it's all preparation yeah. just for him to walk in. Someone she's known for years. 15 and a half. Yeah, yeah we were about to say 16, but <laughs> it might be with the crossover of like oh, Paul's like, the, nine, the nine months that, yeah. of pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. sure. Um, so she readies herself in this Bene Gesserit way. And then before long, we hear a at the door and Hawa mm-hmm. knocks and he enters. And uh, oh, Hawa, I don't know what he's been up to, but he's got blood on his arm. Yeah. A bloody spot. Well, no, wasn't there like one house or like one uh, cell left? <laughs> there was. <laughs> I think he found him. I think he did. He that found, party was all he needed. He, like he found, them. he found somebody from the yeah. and I just, the fact that that means he cleaned his blade on his arm. Like yeah, just, uh, he, he killed someone very recently, and uh, then he is. <laughs> what do you want to bet the guards came to him? It's like I'm a little busy. It's like oh, Lady Jessica like needs to see. It's like oh, damn it, <laughs> and he does a stab yeah, and like yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, this can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure out what this guy knew later. And uh, it also says he has roomy eyes. Do you know what roomy is? Roomy, no. It's uh, R-H-E-U-M-Y. It means uh, it's an adjective, especially of the eyes, for full of room, watery. So, water. 
I think, they, I think it's the big point they want to make. A great word for it, but you can just kind of imagine him sort of tired. I don't think that's a word I've ever really experienced before. No, I like it though. Roomy? Room. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's just sort of like watery eyes come in. So he's definitely, you know, tired. He's probably uh, running off of Sappho juice, mm-hmm. uh, just barely sticking up like everybody else, all on anti-fatigue bills. Down in them like monsters. And uh, he comes in, he bows, he's obeying, you know, all the formalities of this occasion. But in his head, he goes, that drunken fool of an Idaho. <laughs> Just let everything out. And uh, he studied Jessica's face, wondering how he could save this situation. So he he's a little coy of this at first. Too, yeah. Of just like, you know, like, oh, how, what are we doing here? What's going on? Um, and uh, Jessica knows if Yui didn't say something, his spies did. Like, he knows exactly why he's here. Yeah. Uh, and... First, uh, Jessica's coming in like, first, you will answer me one question. Or like, yeah, no, she, there's a, uh, hey, one more sec. One. Sure, sure. I mean, they just have that coy playing back and forth before well, we get to like, we're going to have this discussion. It's long past time we clear the air between us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right. He does start playing coy. And so and who, it's uh, Jessica that says clear the air between us. Yeah. Yeah, because she's going to bring up a few points that that's been on our mind for a while. Right. When we talk about counsel and stuff like that. Like there's been bad blood between them. We went through Thufir's backstory and sort of uncovered this uh, Bene Gesserit bias within him. Right. Where he is one who would be very prone to saying, like, Bene Gesserit witches. Right. I think it's something he would, like, write and say often. And uh, so then we, we get to their confrontation. I mean, Jessica, she's going to start off hard of just, like, are, are you? you ne- <laughs> yeah. Are you? Ne- well, actually, you know what this kind of reminds me of, too, is, like, the McCarthy form of the questioning. Are you now or have you ever been oh, affiliated yeah, with the Communist yeah, yeah. Party? Are you now a Harkonnen agent? I just need to add in, or have you ever been? <laughs> and uh, how I... I mean, I guess that is the first and only question she needs to know. Mm-hmm. Well, she... It's particular. I think she also wants to knock him off edge. Because, like, uh, going into this, do you think she believes that he is? I think... Actually, yeah, I think she does. Because I think she does establish, like, I know for sure now it's not you. Uh... I think she says that to him, but we've already had the talk with Lido where we've talked about the notes. And she says she's gone through the list. None of them, it can't be Thufir, it can't be Gurney, it can't be Idaho, and none of their lieutenants are strategically enough placed to be like useful or valuable. So, so I think I think what she's saying. Oh, so here, you think this is again like she's trying to knock him off his that's dangerous to do though. Not not like knock him off. I think she's like, yeah, knocking him to the left, coming back, knocking him to the right a little bit. Oh, no, knock you back to the left this a little bit. This is just like a, a mental boxing match. Mm-hmm. But, so we know she has been the only one, I think, kind of keeping Thufir's impairedness as her priority to maintain. Okay. You know, like when Paul wanted to, like, sack him, and she's like, why don't you think about that? Thufir's important, yada, yada. Right. Lido wanted to do it. Paul then regurgitates what Jessica said and mm-hmm. kind of saves Thufir there. That's why I think she knows sort of what she's doing and is aware of that the whole time. Well, I mean, like you mentioned, she's known him for about 15 years now. Mm-hmm. She knows him intimately. It only took Paul like a, a couple hours to learn kinds pretty much. And uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, registering. Registering them. Mm-hmm. Imagine she's got to have a very intimate knowledge of Thufir. Yeah. So she knows which buttons to push. Mm-hmm. So I think that you're right. I think that this... Uh, I didn't really give it enough weight. I think you're right that uh, she's doing this on purpose to sort of set him off. And it's uh, yeah, it's sort of like her. These are her moves. Yeah. Because I'm like, I, I take it as that that scene where she was setting the room up kind of puts us in place. I'm like, OK, this is almost all for show. This is a Chiaf's game. Yeah. Oh, most certainly. Yeah. This is as close we got. And Mike, someone almost dies in this one. <gasps> Which I told yeah. you. Always happens yeah. in Chiaf's. <laughs> so 
Yeah, she asks him, are you an agent? Howat stares up his face, dark with fury, <laughs> demanding, you dare insult me so? And then she's <laughs> like, sit down. <laughs> you insulted me so. <laughs> Just kind of, I, that should be, we should go into Thufir's mind. I'm like, that's a good one. <laughs> so uh, I also don't get why, um, I guess, well, no, I don't get how she doesn't see where Thufir is coming from when he starts saying like, because he comes back and like, is there something to forgive? Oh, actually, no, wait. No, because, uh, well, no. She, no, I, I take back my thing of putting him back because the next line is reading the signs of his face that she knew so well, allowed herself a deep breath. It isn't Hawat. And that's italicized. So that's really, there's weight in the word there. Okay. Okay. Because that's yeah. internalized. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. This is duplicated then. I feel like that kind of contradicts that previous one then or just like uh, it clashes I th- with I think it would have been cooler with your interpretation of it, mm-hmm. but like seeing that I think gives a little bit more credibility. Yeah. Than, yeah, yeah. No, hands down. If it's yeah. in- if it's just internalized yeah. and that's only a thought, she's like, not well, yeah, sh- why would she need to think that to herself? <laughs> just double checking, Jessica. <laughs> uh that, that's Thank you, Ninja Mind Thufir. Can you hear me? <laughs> just testing. <laughs> uh, you see Thufir's eyes kind of come back and forth. <laughs> So uh, she knows in reading him, yeah, that he's not the traitor. Mm-hmm. She can forgive him. And uh, I think that is that what she says, too. Like, I, I can forgive you. Yeah. It's under quote. And uh, uh, I'm prepared, therefore, to forgive your affront to me. That's it. It's like, and, damn. Uh, this is what I kind of put down as Hawat's mantra of, is there something to forgive? And, but I think he's right. Like, yeah. w- she's already outlined, like, suspicion is his job. Yeah. You know, him and her and Leto have both said that about him. Like, yeah. uh, suspicion and intrigue. So, yeah. I mean, like, like that's great, but you haven't proved to me anything. <laughs> I think she should kind of understand it. Basically, yeah. just be like, yeah, I do have to prove to you I'm not a Harkin. <laughs> and like, yeah. how is this a bad thing for uh, him to be looking into? Okay, bombshell time. Mm-hmm. Bombshell time. I love it. Is that what you wrote down? Because I have bomb drop uh, yeah. colon in my okay. notes as well. <laughs> I, I gasped. I actually physically gasped twice when I read this. Like, so, not like a big one, but like a... <gasps> okay, there are a lot of things I haven't been able to keep from you. This was a tough one. Holy crap, man. Because I've known this the whole time, Mike, that she's been pregnant with a baby. From chapter one, <sighs> three weeks back. That's before uh, Guy's Helmaheim came, according to our calculations of calendar. Yep. Do you think, I mean, okay, so for anyone that didn't read the book and they're just here to, you know, pretend they read and talk with their friends about it. Pregnant with a daughter. With a daughter and has been for a few weeks. Lido does not know. No one Jessica does. Jessica knows this information can be a tool. So. Weaponizing babies, never did I think. <laughs> but okay, here's the thing: does that uh, put into perspective any of the actions she's taken up to this point? And actually, answer that first, and then let me bring you to my next one. I mean, yes. Well, I, I was wondering: did she do this because Guy Helmheim was coming to visit? It's like, oh, Happy. she's already been chewed out before previously when she had Paul. Oh no, 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 that's not why. She'll, uh, there's gotta be a reason. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Later on, Jessica's gonna reflect on this a little bit and we'll get, uh, we'll get some impressions. I don't think, uh, it's ever a thing that there's one definite answer either. So maybe like a thread of that could totally be true, but I I do know uh, we'll get some impressions from her to be like, this is why I did this or her going, is this why I did this? In chapter three, you were telling me like, I don't know why she didn't just like have another one or whatever. You, (laughs) oh, wool over my eyes. Now, oh. Yeah, any idea of uh, who it is? Yeah, th- I had a theory, and we were walking home together. I'm like, I think I have an idea. Is this the is this Saint Aaliyah of the knife? 
Because that's like one of the because that's names. One, the only other like female name that like I haven't been able to associate to a person. All right, Princess Irulan, We've at least seen every single chapter, saying at least a little blurb. Is there is there anyone else? Is that the only uh, name? It's the only think? name that I can think of right now. So why would she be a saint? Uh, didn't we establish Benny Gesserit and they're like semi-religious? Sure, but they're not. Uh, certainly, they don't. They don't. Uh, as a front, they are not religious. Like I'm telling you, missed like they in, they uh, they mess with religions. They're not like a church. Wait, oh, maybe it's not her then. Never mind. It's cool. No, no. I mean, because like no, because obviously, thinking, like only speculation. Because like uh, a couple uh, a couple chapters. I think it was like ten chapters ago. Or so I think I was once <laughs> in we the saw great the, hall with Lido. Yeah. <laughs> once we saw the Chris knife, I was thinking maybe, uh, maybe of the knife referred to like a Fremen thing because uh, a knife for them is a tooth of a sandworm, which we know is called the maker. And like, it's a big important thing for them. Mm-hmm. So she's probably Fremen in retrospect, but I was really excited when I, I saw oh, that. I would say Aaliyah space name, right? Oh, Aaliyah is definitely a space name. I mean, St. Aaliyah too, but St. Aaliyah of the knife. Oh my God. Actually. Oh, wait a second. Faster. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> wait, ha- we can't wait, wait, all day, wait but- half a second. All right. So, uh, in the glossary, <laughs> I was looking for some words, and one of them was alia, which is, a, I think, probably a Fremen word. Okay. But it means the left hand of God. Ooh, that's very cool. Yeah. And so Saint obviously Al- I'm not using that Saint one right Alia. now. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. That's, so yeah, I'm, I'm more confident now that she's probably a Fremen. Okay. So then I don't have any idea who this is. Damn. No, that's, that's awesome. Let's, uh, oh, uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you yeah. um, then would be, so we have Jessica's pregnant. Mm-hmm. How do you think that fits into the prophecy? What was that one line from oh, Kynes? So she, or this nope. child could be the Lisan Al-Gaib. Whether or not she would bring it or create it on this world, the uh, Lisan Al-Gaib. Right. Yeah. Or both. <laughs> We're getting two. <laughs> Buy one, get two messiahs. <laughs> That's a really good point. Oh, man. So that's, that's there's a lot of implications. I almost feel like so that could be we can run a lot of different ways of that. Uh right in my head, I just see the potential for a religion to form and break. Uh being like, you know, after Muhammad died. You think died there would be a civil like war the, between the Fremen? Well, over just this? like anytime you have an, a different ascension or yeah, these possibilities, you could have power break in some ways. But that is uh super off the rails for us. I, I think it was great we got to talk about it. Yeah. Oh. Jessica is pregnant. That is what we need to walk away oh with. Oh my god. And she nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows. On purpose. Mm-hmm. She's known for three weeks. But you can, I mean, even I can totally understand why she wouldn't want to put that on Leto's plate. Oh, he's got a lot we, right now. We he would, needs to focus on survival. I'm just saying we would be on two pile, I think, if she said that. Oh, you think? If she had told him in the time before. She really wanted to go to two pile, though, and just get, like escape this. Like, you don't think she would have uh, fired sa- that gun? The same reason she would never use the voice on him. I don't think she'd ever make him do something she knows he wouldn't do. And then, it, you know, he wouldn't be the Duke anymore if he did that. Right. It's sort of like this catch-22. Oh, all right, continue. Continue. Oof. So, coming to Jessica, she's going to run through all the possible traitors with Hala. hmm And, of course, we're going to get to Dr. Yui. Yeah, she's like, shall I bring in him in here and force something out of him? I'm just like, yes, for the love of God, yes. <laughs> Please! This, honestly, that just sounds like silly writing. And even, well, how I come out, you know that's an empty gesture. <laughs> He's yeah. commissioned by the Hawk College. That I know for certain. 
And then Jessica says about, yeah, and his wife was killed by Bene Gesserit. And Howard's like, oh, well, that's what oh, happened. Oh, I didn't know that. She's like, Howard, what is your job? <laughs> your job is ask questions. Has anyone asked Yui anything? <laughs> Did we just <laughs> accept him? No, no one cares about him. I, I think he might have just shown up. Uh, and then everyone just assumed the I other person I think they treat him as him. a robot, pretty much. It's like, you're just there, do your job. Like, don't care. Um... So then uh, Jessica wants to know, like, what brought on the suspicion? Mm-hmm. You know, I am uh, I'm prepared to forgive uh, forgive much because of that loyalty. She ends up telling him. And we get, uh, how about again? Is is there something to forgive? It's like, I can't tell you. My first loyalty is to the Duke. Yeah. To, you know, I I would almost even say to the family as like a whole. Like, yeah. It's, it's just something well, so he much. served the family for three generations. Right, right. It's just so much greater and supersedes like her. Oh, actually, four generations. No, Paul's the uh, Minotaurus, Leto, and Paul. Oh, he didn't serve... Paul uh, is the third generation. Oh, he didn't serve the one before Minotaurus? Nope. Ah, uh, okay. So, like, him training Paul is why he... Gotcha, he okay. said that in reference to him. So, Jessica lands on a... Oh, stalemate, then. Because we're playing Cheops. Mm-hmm. And uh, she kind of... So, this is where she goes and she changes the subject now. I'm like, okay, she's not... This is where I think it's kind of a presentation in a show, still. And we're going to... Boom. She slaps him a little bit on the side of like, apply your mental abilities to it. <laughs> Do your job. <laughs> and uh, what's the problem with Duncan and the others? I can tell you in four words. They have no home. So this is her getting to like why Duncan is so drunk. And uh, we end up uh, referring them. Uh, she compares them to the lost sailors of the Ampeliros. Oh, what's that, Derek? That's that. Oh, the flying Dutchman of space, Mike. <laughs> Every Dune reader knows that. Of course. Do you remember uh, what chapter that one was in? Or what episode? Oh, that wasn't too long ago. That was like chapter chapter 11, I want to say. 11, okay. Yeah. I, I'm actually just making that up. I have no idea. Sure. I mean, too, not too long ago. It was halfway through our journey, <laughs> yeah. so... But yeah, that's a good one to see come up. We've yeah, had yeah, Schlag yeah. and that so far, and the Ampeliros. This is the only point it shows up in the book. Uh, so these guys just saying they're all lost at sea, essentially. Yeah. We have no purpose. What a weird way of like uh, putting that expression into the book. Lost at sea and trying to explain that in like the future where that probably wouldn't happen all that often. Well, I mean, it's a spaceship in this one. Yeah. Yeah. So like none of them An are. ancient re- spaceship. So wait. Yeah. Pre-guild yep. spaceship. Yeah. yeah. So it's one of those ones, either a computer folding space or it's just uh, sub light speed. Or this is just a fairy tale. No, I think it's real. I think it's a fairy I tale. I think it's real. You got no imagination. Like. <laughs> I think it's like exactly the same as our flying Dutchman. You are, you are never going to get to the bottom of worm theory with an attitude <laughs> like that. <laughs> no. And so she's telling him like Arrakis, you know, this isn't their home. Arrakis is an unknown. Caladan was their home, but we've uprooted them, mm-hmm. and uh, and they fear the Duke's failing them. Yeah, they left that meeting not feeling great. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is about the point where you know, Jessica talks about like all the men uh, talking in the barracks and sort of like all their words chafing together and creating like, a charge in the air, mm-hmm. just like this is spreading. And, like not a good one. No, because then we we kind of build up this metaphor of this is a this is a disease, and you know we're seeking a cure to disease. And Hawat tells her, like, mm, your concerns are open to interpretation. She's like, God, he's good at his job. <sighs> that point, though, that's pretty good. Of, like, he's still considering her a spy. He's even the though, anti-lawyer. Yeah, <laughs> even though, like, she made a really great case. Yeah, she did. And he's just like, eh, you could still be the one. <laughs> well, here's, here's a, more proof of the fact that he doesn't really give a second thought to her suggestions or ideas. 
Ooh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Very dismissive of her. Uh, maybe not. And I guess I'm waving it in that he's looking at her as a spy now. Yeah. But perhaps, no, but maybe you're saying there's like a history of it. And maybe this is sort of a biased confirmation where like he so already crazy. wants to believe she is the spy or somehow distrustful or, um, you know, a threat. You know, another way of saying there could be many interpretations for your concern. How's that? Penny Jesuit witch. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cuts right through. Yeah. So Jessica, she decides on a tried and true path. Shock. It worked yeah. on Idaho so well. Yeah. So she's going to shock through fear down a certain path. And I love the first hit she takes at him. A threat to my son got past you right here in this house. Who took that chance? <laughs> and, you know, he darkened. He oh, goes, yeah. He's not happy about that. No, either. I offered my resignation to the I Duke. Was, yeah, I was prepared to, like, give out everything and, like, let the Duke kill me if he had to. But I and her response, though, was, did you offer it to me? Did you offer it to Paul? Uh, like, yeah, that that gets him. Ooh, a little that awkward right there. Uh, didn't cross check. my mind. <laughs> Ooh, but this is Cheops. <laughs> Many ways out of check. So Jessica, she, th- she thinks there's no traitor. This is all a cover for a laser gun. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I, I brought this up last chapter of the potential for like a laser gun on a timer. And this is uh, where she actually has that thought of like right. how malicious is that? Um, and I don't get how that's kind of not a go-to method for most people. Well, because that's it almost suicide. Of leaving it on the timer? Laser gun on a timer pointed at a shield? You don't think there'd be any way to track it back to the house that used it? Especially in this case, it's like, who wants the? Yeah, yeah, no, I'll give you, but it, like, since it doesn't ever leave you a person, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I wonder. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you wanted both of them out of the picture, you'd have a minor house come down, like I'm gonna be the next one, exactly. Or how, how a third party doesn't show yeah, up, and like, like I'm kind of confused that. about that because sure. that feels more plausible to me. But in this I, political I guess it's struggle. the same sense in like, uh, if you were to look at our contemporary global affairs, why like some third party nuclear reactor doesn't try to like set up two other nuclear reactors to be against each other. You know, like during, you know, no one's like Israel isn't going to set off a nuke to get the US and the Soviets to go to war kind of deal. Uh, you, can, you can turn this dial wherever you want. I'm just saying like, we're in a situation where we have these kind of weapons that aren't prohibited by like any great convention. Right. They're just like shunned by society. Of, like, I just think bad. with everything you've said about the Spacing Guild and how uh-huh. they can smuggle people in on raids, it's like, yeah, as yeah. long as you pay enough, that's fine. Right. I feel like this was such a missed opportunity and maybe a little bit of a plot hole where like, I don't understand why someone didn't come in here just to eliminate both of them. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think there's potential for it, but maybe it's just like, I guess uh, we would count on the fact that everybody in Chome was, you know, they were counting their pennies waiting to see where the chips fell. No one wanted to lose. No one. I guess that's the other thing too. If you went in, you actually, if you blasted both of them, you're going to tank spice for a couple months. That might ruin your house. I guess, I guess this is the moment where I am sort of, uh, in support of Leto is like, at least this guy has cojones. Like everyone else is just like a coward. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like they want and, their and money the, and that's they're going to watch he... from the sidelines, but at least Leto's willing to hey, dive and, in. And the Baron. And <laughs> <laughs> dive in. I guess. That was a rough point for me to jump in on. <laughs> but you know, the Baron's I mean. dogs. <laughs> yeah. Fighter. <laughs> Baron can't jump. <laughs> no. Uh, but I, I think those are the two men in the Imperium who are, yeah, have ambition and are going to yeah. take what's theirs or fight for what's theirs. Do you think among the Lance Rod, those are the two, like, top dogs? I don't know where, uh, because the Emperor has his whole, like, little crew. 
And I don't think the Barons oh, necessarily yeah. like rubbing elbows in that circle. So with uh, this kind of like uh, Jessica's position on this, we find that her and Hawa are at an impasse. She yeah. doesn't think there's a traitor. She's focused on the Lay's guns. Hawa is completely He's not focused on Jessica. That she's not the traitor. Exactly. It has to be her to him. And so she continues to put Howard on guard. Right. And she, and Howard says, can't be last guns. No one would risk an explosion. Mm. Like there's always evidence from the nuclear fallout and radiation. They'd be able to tell that or they wouldn't be able to tell it wasn't atomics. Right. So no one's going to put themselves on the line like that. We wouldn't even do that. So and I guess we, we accept that, I guess, is enough of it. Uh, but again, like third party. Where are oh. you? Set those Harkonnens up. Uh, but so she tells him, you're the Duke's man. She sneered. Would you destroy him? in the effort to save him? And I think that is a good Ooh. question because we've already pushed think, him into Mentat mode. Yeah. So he's going to analyze this differently than if we were just talking to him. I really like that question as a whole in general. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, if that was the last line of this chapter, that would be pretty good. And uh, I mean, he doesn't really give us an answer. He just tells her like, if you're innocent, you'll have my most abject apologies. Which that is, yeah, the most you're probably going to pull out of this man. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, that's fair. But uh, that I, would be hell in the courtroom. I, I wonder what it he because he takes a deep breath before that. I feel like the answer is almost yes. Like he would destroy the Duke in an effort to save him. I it, He came to that conclusion, but is not willing to vocalize it. I, I don't know if he did. I'm saying I do. Oh, uh, I, I, I'm not willing to speculate on what he actually thinks. I, I just feel like, yeah, I think he would and like knows because he'd just be going through these motions and not see what he's doing or not be able to break out of it. And uh kind of fear that uh jessica this is uh she's a big fan of the frau falucha system more than i would have ever given her credit for i i if you're reading the quote i think you're going to do i also want to like compare that to our first uh quotation by Irlan in the book sure so it's gonna be um look at you now through fear she said humans live best when each has his own place when each knows where he belongs in the scheme of things destroy the place and destroy the person you and I, through fear of all those who love the Duke, are most ideally situated to destroy the other's place. Could I not whisper suspicions about you into the Duke's ear at night? When would he be most susceptible? When would he be most susceptible to such whispering? Must I draw it for you more clearly? And that whole the humans live best, and they're in their place. That is our Frau Ferlucius line of. Uh, a place for each person and a person in each place. Yeah, in the beginning too, like in the first chapter, I just want to point out that people having a place in their specific place is important. It says, take the most special care that you locate Muad'Dib in his place, the planet Arrakis. Interesting. That's good. I think this place and time, even if you drop like Arrakis from it, using place is sort of an ambiguous term for station yeah. as well as location. Oh, Do uh, that's, that's great. Princess Irlan ever meet? Yes. Okay. Yep. Intimately. Oh. Not, not intimately. Very close. They'll be. They'll spend a lot of time together. Because I wonder if that's maybe something she picked up from Lady Jessica. Ooh, very well could be. Yeah. Uh, did you know? <laughs> she taught her about Fravolucius even more? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have a... Also, both both Ben and Jesuit, they had a very similar education. Oh, yeah, for sure. Up. Um, I think... I know that uh, Guys Helen knows Irulan. There's a good chance she would be her teacher as well. Well, she probably sees her on a day to day basis. Exactly. They're both part of. They're yeah. both in the court uh, for there. So that's interesting. And uh, where um, Irulan is in the Quisach Hadarak breeding line, she was supposed to be wed uh, or part of it. Somehow bound into Paul. 
or the heir, or I'm sorry, the whoever Paul's kid would have been. If it would was, have been married to Iran. Yeah, if Paula, oh. Paula had a child, uh, I think it would have been married to Iran, oh, or, so, I'm sorry, or Irulan's child. Oh, so, yeah, so. Because uh, I think age-wise, she would still be the same age as, I guess, Paul, and then, like, have to have a, so another So we'll, we'll call the tenant of the child Paula Rotha yep. would have been wed to Irulan's uh, man, Paula Roth is not a bad name. Paula Roth is not a bad name. <laughs> that's a space name. <laughs> but uh, she would have been wed to, uh, uh, wait, she or he? I guess I don't really know. They would have been wed to Erlon's child. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, regardless. Although I I bet it actually would have been a he because they don't, the Benny doesn't want to keep one over on Shaddam. So it would have been uh, a girl over there. A girl. Yeah, and I think the Quisatra, it seemed like a male was what you needed to unlock it. Yeah, yeah. Because it has to be a male to get that switch. So And it yeah. was in that line, so. I think I think that's plausible. Yeah, so that's this cool thing to have on there. And, uh, yeah, following this, Jessica kind of goes into of this, like, you know, telling him of, like, when I'm in the Duke's bed, like. And that was sort of the Duke's also had said that point of, like, she could have killed me so many times. At his, his point, most vulnerable. Yeah, she, they have, like, this personal access to each other that no one else has mm-hmm. uh and she can manipulate and use it and through fear it gets even anger now and uh jessica's gonna move to the most sensitive of subjects and it's through fear's mental mentat error factor and uh we get a little this kind of similar to remember when paul gave us that first law of mentats what was the first law of Men- i forget that he actually. was uh talking with uh guys hello it was about the, the oc bible right and um, that oh, you had to flow with something to experience it and be part of it. You can't just stand outside kind of and observe oh. it. Oh, um, and that we remember it had to be with like it had to do with life. Uh, and she was like, she accepted that one is okay. Uh, didn't accept Yui's answer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she tells him anything outside yourself. This you can see and apply your logic to it. But it is a human trait that when we encounter personal problems, those things most deeply personal. Are the most difficult, are the most difficult to bring out for logic for our logic to scan. We tend to flounder around, blaming everything but the actual deep-seated thing that's really chewing on us. Now that is just, I think, a, a great piece of uh, insight. Yeah, on all levels, she's had a lot of good monologues. Mm-hmm. And it's just telling everybody, yeah, we all have this problem, and through fear specifically, you're this mental, you're this the supercomputer embodiment of logic. Mm-hmm. But you are put in a personal dilemma currently. You need to be able to extract that and include that in it. And uh, Hala, he thinks she's trying to undermine him, and he yeah. kind of says like, if I got anyone affecting like an Atreides weapon, like you know, yeah. trying to. Uh, well, I mean, he more or less is for the family. Mm-hmm. And we know he's seen himself uh, as an object before. In yeah. uh, chapter four, he saw There's the stand eye. Uh, yeah, the training dummy yeah. that beat up old guy. And Just an like, old piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. That's all he is. That's wild. And uh, I'm gonna reread that chapter because I think it's gonna have a much different context now that I know him a little bit more. No, yeah, you got yeah. a little, little uh, Gurney too, because you get to meet them both. Yeah, I guess Gurney that's comes true. in after yeah. him. Yeah. So um, she's telling him to analyze these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Uh, apply yourself to the symptoms we've seen: drunkenness, quarrels, gossip, rumors. And uh, he's just sort of like, it's idleness. You know, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. I uh, don't try to divert my attention by making a simple matter appear more mysterious. And it's just like, yeah, that he doesn't accept anything she says with any bit of truth. There is that bias in him. And uh, then she brings up, yeah, again, our Ampeliros, the pre-guild legend. These guys lost on their ship. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's just getting into Hawat's prejudices uh, against the Bene Gesserit. She's going to ask why he never makes use of her abilities. And, uh, you know, he almost says it and Jessica finishes it for him. It's Bene Gesserit witches. Because uh, he does not trust them. Uh, her uh, yeah. her uh, description of Ampelaris, I think, is so on point for Thufir. Like she's talking about the men as general, like the ones that are drunk or unsure of what's going on. But I think it especially applies to her, uh, to him forever seeking, forever prepared, forever unready. Right. And that is the epitome of this chapter and through fear's place in it. Ooh, I can, especially when we get to that uh, situation where he has that vision at the end and we kind of see himself yeah. like the bull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the bull is stunned and standing and doesn't know what to do. Unready, but prepared. Oh, unready for like other things as well, but. Yeah, yeah, a lot. But yeah, because I think, yeah, I, I think it is right in like how much work he did coming over here, all the stuff he done and how the Hunter Seeker still gets by. Yeah. Everything he's doing here, how he's still focusing on the wrong target right now. Like, I bet he slept about as much as the Duke. Mm-hmm. That is to say, not at all. <laughs> and uh, he tells Jessica, like, I know something of the real training they give you. I've seen it come out in Paul. Like, that's interesting. Cause we've... Uh, we did catch that a little bit when he was uh, trying to figure out how the old lady had scared him. Yeah. But we've never really gotten anyone commenting on the Bene Gesserit training Paul's had. I think that Thufir is talking big game about stuff he knows nothing about. Interesting. To, to like what degree? Well, he's talking about logic. He's going based off of what he knows from the Bene Gesserit. The Bene Gesserit admittedly like to t- tell everyone all of their secrets everywhere. But uh, what he's sort of telling me doesn't really reflect what I know of the Bene Gesserit so far. And also part of that is because of what I've learned from you in the encyclopedia. I, I think between like what I've shared, Yui, I think, provided a lot of insight, too. With I uh, think he did. With I think Lana, he was but, kind of the key factor in that. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think you are totally right that this is it shows an alarming blind spot in what Hawat knows about the Bene yeah. Gesserit. It's kind of shocking every little detail he has no awareness of. I just, we learned that he has so many more chinks in his armor than I would have ever guessed. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he just tells her like, I'm not fooled by what your schools tell the public. You exist only to serve. And uh, Jessica, I bet she loved hearing that line of just like, good, you're right where I need you to be. And she goes, the shock must be severe. He's almost ready for it, mm-hmm. she thought. And then she asked him like, you seldom heed my advice. And it's talking about in council, why? And Hawat says again, he does not trust her. Question, he, you know, he, uh, and he questions the extent of her ability to see through somebody too. She's telling him she can kind of see right through all this, and just like you poor fool, through fear. She has a false start here. Uh, what do you mean? Um, I think she jumps the gun because she's like the shock has to be severe. Oh, and she oh, starts yeah. up, but it's like this isn't the way I have to do it. I kind of messed up. Let's let's rein it back a little bit. Because right. she speaks with pride, like you have no idea what I'm capable of. Specific, yeah. So she tells you she brings in with like yeah, no fear. Whatever rumors you've heard about our schools, the truth is far greater. Right. If I wish to destroy the Duke or you or any person within my reach, you could not stop me. <laughs> he, he sort of reaches into his pocket and just like, right. oh, Jessica, well, that's not exactly what we need. And we get the point where we're like, let alone the pride part of it. She goes, this is not the way I was trained. This is not how I must shock him. So, yeah, she got just like, 
She got knocked off guard. She got carried yeah, away. She did. It is like when Kind starts talking science, and you're just like, yeah, he'll tell you anything. When <laughs> water, what, water, what? <laughs> oh, oh uh, another time, but I have a theory about that, too. Okay, yeah. Kai, you stopped yourself. Yeah. There were so many times I had to stop you last time. <laughs> let's um, go, let's go. But you're right. So, how about he's got that one hand under his tunic. And yeah. He's, like, oh, he's got a little dart gun under there. My God. So, poison darts, a little uh, portable gum jabar. She's moved her Chris knife to her arm. Mm-hmm. He's got the gun, like the stunner gun in his pocket. They're ready to kill each other, pretty much. Do you think he put the stunner gun in before he came in the room? Oh, yeah. yeah for it was, sure. Wasn't there when he got here? I think the blood, maybe even just a facade. Ooh. Ooh, maybe. Maybe. He I mean, did. I bet he was killing people, but like. But I think he did it cleanly. And yeah. he's like, mm, I need to make <laughs> yeah. a show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to see a Bene Desiree. It's so funny because I always no. think of him as just this old, I, like, decrepit I, man, but like, he is, no, no, he I, is a killer. I want to actually piggyback onto that and be like, with how much prep Jessica put in this room, it would be, you know, uh, criminal for us not to assume that Hawat did as much preparation on the walk over I think here. you're right. Mm hmm. And that yeah, maybe that blood was just him telling her like I'm dangerous. I mean, I think he has an idea of their level of minutia because again, he sees it in Paul. He's I, lived. I with don't her think for- he does. I think all. You he's, don't think so? I think he's seeing the discipline in Paul, but not understanding because he doesn't understand the voice. The voice is like that is mind shattering for him and changes his whole horizon of like the possibilities for attacking people. It's all out the window now. I think that actually boosts his ability as a mentat. Because it's based off of information and what you know. You're only as good as the information you have. I mean, that's not going to make him a better mentat. I think it's it's he's contem- con- he's uh, computing it as a mentat, and we're watching that information like permeate every fi- you know facet of knowledge he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but like mostly, I'm thinking, I'm imagining that like clearly, it's never been mentioned in the Assassin's Handbook. That the Bene Gesserit have these abilities. That's a good point. That's the kind of thing where, like, nobody knows this. Which I think is so weird considering how often they just give that information they away. Tell anybody. I know. But maybe. All Bene Gesserit are Batman. Well, uh, hey, maybe somehow. You remember how they made Paul have that uh, block? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that. Oh, uh, like with the fact that, like, they all have sort of that subtle, like, training. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just kind of guessing and throwing that one on the wall, but I, like, I don't know. I think that, again, that's. It's, it's a little, it might be a little bit maybe, of a plot maybe hole. Maybe I just haven't learned enough in the book, but that seems like a little bit of a, a plot hole. Yeah, yeah. That somebody would have found out yeah. eventually, but I guess they all died. In a million how, worlds, how someone would have known. Because <laughs> they do tell everybody everything. Maybe that rogue Benny Jesuits on the moon, like, I'll tell you everything. <laughs> That I'm, the immortal one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know she's them coming all. back. Um, so he uh, reaching into that, Jessica sees this gesture towards his pocket again. Benny Jesuit observation yeah. versus mentat computation. Well, it's, and, it's the first thing she says too. Let us pray. Pray violence shall never be necessary between us. And he just says a worthy prayer, which I imagine is also followed by like the fingers coming off the gun. Yeah, a bit. like just, no, it's like for what I gather from this is. Uh, Thufir thinks it's just like he thinks that he's gonna kill her. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks that at he this would, moment, yeah, and he thinks that he would win too. Mm-hmm. I think Jessica is just saying, "I don't want to kill you because I know I'll kill you." Yeah, and knowing how this conversation goes, that is exactly yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's much more comfortable in her situation. He's confident in his. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, she starts thinking like he's he's close. He's ready to it now. You know, I'm I'm back on track. I got control of myself. Yeah, and he brings back uh, Piers at a stalemate again. <laughs> I yeah. love how he brings it up this time. And then uh, this one I put is uh, Jessica kind of has a step on a rake moment um, <laughs> where she's like, uh, 
The Duke and I are father and mother surrogates to our people. And Hawa just goes, he hasn't married you. (laughs) Oh, God. She forced herself to calmness, which is like, yeah. Every time that happened before, it always took Bene Gesserit moves to get you back. And then she just goes, a good riposte. (laughs) That's what I was saying earlier, like... Sick burn, bro. Sick burn. <laughs> Love it. You think <laughs> no, no one else got that appreciation. I know. But like, clearly, she's been hearing this every day. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's the thing. Like, it's not just like uh, someone saying it offhandedly. Oh, I this guess is, she brought is, it up too. She brought up. Yep. This is definitely a move by him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good repast. Yeah. This is this is another move on that chef's board. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, I walked into that one. You're right. It was <laughs> step on the rake. That's that's pretty on point. I like that. <laughs> Thank I like you. that. Um, so she's going to try and blame him directly again. And this is one of her moments to kind of shake him up mm. and shock him. Uh, and then talks about uh, targets for the Harkonnens too. So uh, he sensed the direction she was taking him. He drew his brows down in a lowering scowl. And she starts talking about like attractive targets. Like, yes, I'm a, I'm a good one. But one uh, uh, without the possible exception of Paul is better guarded. You know? Right. And me, I tempt them surely. But they must know the Bene Gesserit make difficult targets. And there's a better target. Right. One whose duties create ne- necessarily a monstrous blind spot. Somewhere on Gideon Prime, Piter is just sneezing. <laughs> Someone's thinking about his plan. I hope he has that one monitor to the front door and he's watching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I mean, she's dead on. She is so close on all of these assumptions. She just never follows through on them. I don't want that diamond of camouflage. Oh, you can't get past it. And we just have these two, our two biggest guns in the Atreides arsenal are like shooting at each other right now. If we had Hawat aligned with Jessica working in tandem. Like we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Oh, unleashing a full Bene Gesserit like uh, in the Duke's plans would be amazing. But uh, so she blames him and she says, you and like raises her right hand towards him, and uh, how I, he gets up to leave. This is this is that's too far. That is a bridge too far for him. And he tried to swallow in a dry throat. Um, or rather, I'm sorry, no. She uses the uh, the voice on him. Right? She tells him sit down. No, no, or, she no, not even that. It's like, I have not dismissed you through fear. So good. And so uh, not even to sit down. He just stops. Yeah, and, and he, he almost falls back into his chair, if and, not for the momentum sort of keeping him back up. Yeah, and it's like his muscles almost betray the unconscious movement of it. So that is the only thing he can barely control is that it's this, not like completely uh, outside of him. Derek, incantation. This is our first use of the voice. No. Our first use of Jessica using the voice. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> like, we used then the we voice ha- before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're we right. a good use of the voice. Again, making a man sit down. Um... <laughs> Know your place. So how he, you know, he dry, he uh, swallows in a dry throat, mm-hmm. and he's just like her command had been regal, preemptory, uttered in a tone and manner he found completely irresistible. Mm. Nothing could have prevented his response, not logic nor passionate anger. To do what she had done spoke of a sensitive, intimate knowledge of the person thus commanded, a depth of control he had not dreamed possible. That is amazing, considering like his station and the stature as an assassin. He didn't even dream you could do this. Like, that was never a possibility. And I love... Not even on the table. Her first response. She smiled without mirth. Without mirth. Can I... Oh, that's just so wicked that's and That's terrifying. Dark. I'm just like... Now that's Benny Jessica Witch right there. <laughs> it is, because that's just her being like, that's my power. Yeah. It's like, you know, her hitting something, breaking through a wall, and just being like, I and just all, did that. All she says is, now you know something of the real training they give us. <laughs> 
Uh, I have said to you before that we should understand each other, she said. I meant you should understand me. I already understand you. <laughs> yeah, that is something else. And so oh. he's just staring at her. All he can do is kind of wet his, his tongue on his, uh, wet his lips on his tongue. Yeah. His purple, purple lips or cranberry colored lips. And, you know, she's telling him, like, if I desired a puppet, the Duke would marry me. He might even think he did it of his own free will. Now, we have not had it colored that clearly before. I think it was, I think it was kind of assumed. I think she did mention that. I always thought it was kind of colored in that she would have uh, never, uh, she would have felt cheated in that it wasn't, you know, not taking the decision away from the No, I think in the dining room or uh, when they were unpacking, I think she did mention, like, I could make him think it was even his own idea. I didn't get that it was his own idea, just that she could and she never would for the sake of, but uh, that is the the breadth of that power. That is how far it can go. She can make you do something and also make you think it's your idea. Right. That's awful. And uh, so this is all new for Chihuahua. It makes him feel quite uncomfortable. Uh, He's, like I said, going through all the possibilities of this new weapon. It's insane. And he kind of lowers his head. He looks up hard through sparse lashes. And uh, only the most rigid control kept him from calling from the guards. Which then he has a great thought of control. Is it control or is it that she wouldn't let me have control? If Thufir is the embodiment of logic, Jessica is surely the embodiment of control. Um, okay, why do you, like, uh, juxtaposing those two? Do you not think that she controls this entire situation? She, I mean, she is, but, like, she also has logic, though, on her. I just think I don't see the, how those two I mean, like, I'm not saying she doesn't have logic and the two fear doesn't have control, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying in, uh, term of, uh, absolutes, Thufir his entire thing is about embodiment. Her entire thing, she can control every individual muscle of her body. Oh, okay, okay. It's like a, yeah, an overarching theme. Like the for discipline. The theme for the Bene Gesserit. Okay. Yeah, 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 entirely. Uh, in that it's it's every every aspect of her. Yeah. Right? Yeah, emotional control, mental control, fact, physical she, she, control. She's been pregnant for three weeks. Surely knows it's a girl. Mm-hmm. She made sure it was a girl, probably. Ooh, curious. She, I mean, she can make the choice. She can also let it be natural. I bet she just checked. You think so? I guess we, I don't know for sure yet. I think with Paul, she gave him the son that he wanted. And then uh, at that point, you don't think that they gave the the Benny Gesserit the daughter that they wanted? No, 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 no. It wasn't for the Benny Gesserit. No, no, that daughter was for Leto. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it is another product of love entirely. Hmm. So I, I think I think something she, to temper the old Duke within him. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Huh? Get around about what she was going for. But it, so I, I'm thinking she just let the dice roll on that one because there was no uh, there's nothing riding on it. But, I don't uh, know. I, who knows? Uh, she could. I mean, you you've read the book more times, so you probably have more insight in there. But I, I don't just know. that I'm telling you, we won't get an answer. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. But you can you can believe that she did on purpose. She has the power to. I know she, she can make her own babies if she wanted to. Yeah, I feel like there's no point to that though because of the genetics of it all. Yeah, I don't know. especially her being in a breeding line. Like, why would you even bother? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, that is wild speculation yeah. from that point. Good point. Yeah. Weird. I don't know. Whatever. Continuing. <laughs> So yeah, uh, and how at his uh, his skin crawled with the memory of how she controlled him. Mm-hmm. This thing kind of dwelling. He's he's really stuck on this moment, and he's also like in that hesitation. She could have killed me. Like, yeah, she would have got me. And like I think he realizes he's catching up to where we're. He's at we're... very aware of his own weakness and mortality in this current situation. Mm-hmm. And his next line is, "Does every human have this blind spot?" <laughs> like, oh my god! And no, again, I think he's wondering like, uh, "Can, can I, I weaponize? Yes, this? Yeah, exactly." <laughs> 
yeah, he, like this is breaking yes, him. As yeah, in, like he never knew this was possible, so he has to rethink his whole career. Dust <laughs> <Like, laughs> off the old resume. Ninety years old, three generations, and he made a mistake of like that long ago. <laughs> so, can any of us be ordered into action before he can resist? The idea staggered him. Who could stop a person with such power? Fucking no one. <laughs> So, I like to think that that's a big fear quote. <laughs> <laughs> that was the subtext that I felt really needed to be enunciated. And uh, Jessica continues before, like, Thufir, he's going to ask a very obvious question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is where we get to the line I read you last week. Yeah. Uh, great line, right? To take out yeah, of Yeah, you got me. I thought it was Yui. You- <laughs> Saying you've glimpsed the Are you, you going to do that again this time? Or are you going to give me like a little taste? Yeah, yeah. Oh! That new, new thing, Mike. I kind of liked it. Oh, uh, it was I good. Yeah. Um, but we had, you glimpsed the fist than the Bene Gesserit glove. You glimpse it and live. And what I did was a relatively simple thing for us. You've not seen my entire arsenal. Think on that. And he's just oh. like, oh my God. Why aren't you doing, e- go kill the Baron. Like, like, why aren't you doing this more? It's like, well, first of all, you don't listen to me. You want to say, I could do this for you. <laughs> Yeah, what a great thing. Now, now you want to ask me to do something? Yeah. Now but, uh, you, want, you want my I, help? She brings up the good point. Power's two-edged sword. Mm-hmm. It's like, if enough of us kept doing this, eventually crosshairs and targets would be painted on us. We don't want that. Well, even beyond that, uh, she would she, just to even highlight the Duke of like, I wouldn't weaken the Duke. I wouldn't make him dependent on me and make it, him, you know, no longer the man he it, is. It's like what uh, guys Helen Maheim said about uh, you cannot shield him too much with Paul because mm-hmm. that'll just make him weak. He will never grow. He'll never become he'll never the man it. he's supposed to be. But uh, certainly, yeah, what you were just kind of hinting of making them a target is highlighting um, what I kind of told you when the Bene Desert go through their training and they take on these powers is the amount of responsibility and knowledge you take in of like what this power can bring on to you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. She's like, I can go out. I can do everything. But like Spider-Man moment there. Great power. Comes <laughs> yeah, great comes responsibility. responsibility. Right. Uh, and she knows just how quickly the world could turn on you and come back at you. And then it would all be over. And then what was the point of any of it? So she's just gonna play this pretty close to the chest. I just feel like there's a uh, there's a clause in there, like don't tell anyone except for like maybe two or three people. We don't care. Except for like you know someone you love. You <laughs> yeah. can tell your brother. You can tell a friend. You can, you can tell your mailman. You can tell one child. You can tell one associate. Trust like, your barber. <laughs> you can tell them. Yeah, but you know, like don't tell everybody. Uh, come on, guys. <laughs> Keep <laughs> yeah. it a secret. Yeah, I, I do think that is the funniest thing in this universe. Is like, how does this even make sense? <laughs> how does this even make sense? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love this this world that uh, Frank's built, but like, there's some things that I'm like, why is this hole here? <laughs> like, why why did I step in this? How, how's nobody falling in here yet? <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, when we get to the end of her saying like the Bene Gesserit, wouldn't wouldn't it make us all Bene Gesserit suspect? We don't want that through fear. We do not wish to destroy ourselves. <laughs> we ex- we truly exist only to serve. His words. I love that. I love, that. I love how, too how they just keep taking each other's words and spitting them back <laughs> at each other. I think they're like slapping each other yeah. in the face with them. Yeah, this is good. It's getting brutal. And uh, with all that, Alot still thinks it could be her, if not more so. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what a great weapon for the arguments <laughs> you make. And honestly, not a bad point. No, like, no, for sure. If they did corrupt the Bene Gesserit all the more, and she's just like, you are tenacious. And he's like cautious and aware of the error factor. Thanks for bringing that up. 
So she's going to go and pose another question to him then. And like, what does it mean to you that you stand before another human, that you are bound and helpless, and the other human holds a knife at your throat? Yet this other human refrains from killing you, frees you from your bounds, and gives you the knife to use as you will. She lifted herself out of the chair and turns her back on him. She just says, you may go now, Thufir. And suddenly he can move. Mm. Sort of. Can he move, Mike? Because he arises and he hesitates. No, I think that's his own hesitation. It is. Because yeah. uh, his hand is creeping back towards that deadly weapon <laughs> under his tunic. And he was reminded of the bull ring on the days of the Duke's father. And uh, we had that one, uh, when we were out spice mining, uh, we had yeah. that flashback uh, to the Duke on Caladan. In the jungles. Yeah, in the jungle and the carrion flying away from, like, I think a dead ox. It was a dead ox. This is another really small kind of uh, Caladan moment that I never caught before. uh, Where We're going to head back to the Corita. And I'm convinced that I think this is the Duke's final day. The old Duke's final day. Well, yeah. The Duke has got his back turned Mm -hmm. to the bull. The bull's just confused. Almost like, wait, what? Yeah. uh, I think he's giving the bull too much credit there. He is? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, who knows what's going on, but I think it gives us good insight into El Muerte's mind, and uh, we don't get to... <laughs> <laughs> that's all we really are here for. Yeah, aren't you reading the book from El Muerte's perspective uh, yeah, now? Yeah, that's why I wanted to say that. <laughs> so, the fierce, blast, the fierce black beast had stood there, head bowed, immobilized and confused. The old duke had turned his back on the horns, cape thrown flamboyantly over one arm, while cheers rained down from the stands. I am the bull, and she the matador, how I thought. And he withdrew his hand from the weapon and glanced at the sweat on his empty palm. No creosote bush oil there. That would stop the perspiration. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I think that's that final moment before the bull gored him. Which, and like Hawa is making this calculation right now. Yeah. They're both powerful. They could both kill each other. In this moment in particular, he could draw that weapon and just, I mean, I don't know if he could with the voice and what he just learned. I think she would stop him and kill him. But he thinks about, can I kill him, her now? Ooh, While hey. her back is turned, perhaps. In light of the fact that like that El Muerte thing is fully from the encyclopedia, yeah. uh, being like Leto killing the bull. Yeah. Previously, I would have assumed that like they killed the bull immediately after he killed the Duke. Oh, so it's not actually canon that Leto killed the bull. Right. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. yeah that's never going to come up in like the Doom book. So maybe like uh, setting that aside, assuming that like the bull was killed that day of, maybe that would be what Thufir is thinking. Like, yes, if he, he kills Lady Jessica, no, he's yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just saying, like, yeah, the bull did it, but then if you're like, If Leto doesn't do it, Paul will probably do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I don't know who would. I definitely not Paul. Do you think they just build a new Karina and throw through fear in it? No. And both of them come out. I don't know. Do you think he like Ned Starks it and like he does like I have to do the execution? Or would he have like Gurney do it because it's such like uh could he kill through No, fear? uh Leto's the kind of man that would do it himself. You think yeah, you think yeah. he's got that edge to him? Or he just brings him into the Corita and you and me, Thufir. I don't even know if he would have to do it. I think uh, Thufir would let him. Oh, I don't think Thufir, yeah, would struggle. No. But it would still, like, that's a that's a tough thing to do. Oh, God, regardless. no, that's not pleasant. Oh. That's not a Corita. That's just an execution, sir. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so, oh, back, uh, withdrawing from that. But I, I, I love that little illusion there. And I can definitely see, yeah, how Hollett feels like that. He doesn't know who, like, what am I right now? Where he, am I? Uh, do you ever listen to the White Stripes? Yeah. You ever, do you know the song Conquest? No. That's from uh, the Icky Thump album. It was just a short story. Went on a road trip with my, my dad and my sister, <laughs> like from uh, Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon. Mm. It was a long freaking trip, let me tell you. It's a long one. Yeah, no, it was really rough. Um, we had a CD. It's like 
uh, it's like the How I Met Your Mother episode where like 500 miles is the only thing that plays. Wait, there was like some weird like like syrup or gel that was stuck on my CD and it would skip every song except for that one. And so they were so sick of the skips that we only listened to Conquest for hours <laughs> until eventually we just started listening to the songs with skips because we didn't care anymore. <laughs> um, but that one that comes to light because the uh, in the strange way that things happened, the roles were reversed from that day. The hunter became the huntress. The hunter became the prey. And yes, I can quote that because I've listened to it way too many times. Did you not have a radio? (laughs) Not in the Midwest. It's just cornfields for days and no radio. That's harsh. Yeah, it was pretty rough, man. Well, I'm sorry for that. (laughs) That Anywho, but I thought that it, uh, that, uh, chorus reminded me of this. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Switching those around. Oh, and yeah, these two predator and prey. I don't know which is which. Uh, and they have, kind of gotten both around it's actually yeah. just two predators in a room well i think from <laughs> duper's perspective he was the hunter and now he is the prey mm-hmm. and now she's going to kind of turn him on to something else because uh he's left in a strange situation and he knew that whatever the facts proved to be in the end he would never forget this moment nor lose the sense of supreme admiration for the lady jessica mm. and uh I think uh, she's basically lit a fire under his butt. Yeah. And she's very satisfied. So she he, he lo- quietly turns and leaves. And she's like, good. <laughs> right. Well, specifically, Mike, she turns. Jessica lowered her gaze from the reflection in the window. <laughs> <laughs> turned and stared at the closed door after how it leaves. And uh, we get another. See, this is a good chapter ender. Well, oh, what? You I, sh- before you, before you sure. hit that note, um, Thufir was thinking, should I, should I try to kill her now? She's already looking at the reflection. She's ready to kill him at a moment's notice already. Yeah. Yeah. Even in that, yeah. like, uh, giving you the knife moment. Yeah. Just like, like, even with the Duke with uh, his back turned, like, El Morte isn't making it. You think she would throw the knife? Uh, No, she'd just use the voice again. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see either one. Because she probably doesn't need to look at him to speak. No, no, certainly not. No. She could say something. And then she could, I mean, like, I don't know what she would do at that point, but. Uh, but no, you're, you're over the, I was imagining sort of like a, just a quick flourish over the shoulder. And Maybe. Throws a knife. And, I mean, know, I bet it would be but, cool, but regardless how she would do it, <laughs> it would be she cool. was yeah. ready and she and was looking at him in the reflection already. Like, also he, part of the, also part of the uh, reading the room, putting everything in its place. She was there for a reason. Mm-hmm. She had that. She had that ready. And it makes it makes a thematic point as well as a protective and like pragmatic uh, kind of use. Yeah. Where, like he feels like he has her, but she's watching him. It's great. And we it, thought that window was a throwaway reference earlier. No, that was her <laughs> trump card. Window outside of the baby. The windows are always important. <laughs> was her second trump card. <laughs> and uh, can I do my final line now? Uh, yeah, do the yeah. final line. Final line for the chapter. Now we'll see some proper action, she whispered. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good because uh, things are heating up. Oh yeah, I just didn't want to skip that reflection part because no, I I'm thought like, that, that was that, really. Important. I didn't catch that. That's a good one yeah. of like uh, very subtle, uh, very oh, Jessica. This, uh, like this entire chapter felt like uh, like a Cheops game, mm-hmm. like just that back and forth, and I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought someone was going to die. It was like the back and forth with her and Yui, but the stakes were so much. The stakes were so much higher. Yeah. Uh, we've elevated everything, and the players were so much better. Uh, swapping <laughs> yeah. swapping Yui for Thufir yeah. is like a game changer. 
Uh, <laughs> Yui had his thing, but he's just, he's so, you know, he's very, he's very easygoing. Yeah, yeah. He just doesn't want to play, really. He's such like a, the reluctant traitor uh, in this whole thing. Uh, is there anything we missed through the chapter? No, not that we missed. Okay. Um, you did a great job of like stopping things along the way. Yeah, yeah thank you, thank uh, you. What stuck out for you? Because uh, I, I was really passionate about this chapter. Mm-hmm. I was, the first time I read it, I was just like, whoa. Yeah, pregnancy is huge. Like, I love worms, but like, I don't care compared to this one. This <gasps> was awesome. Blasphemy. No, this was so good, though. <laughs> yeah. Because like, we, we know these characters like intimately enough. Mm-hmm. And we're we're going to have a couple situations like this. Uh, there's going to be a really great, like, dialogue-heavy chapter with the mm-hmm. Baron down the road, mm-hmm. uh, where the Baron is sort of on, like, thin ice. Uh, Ooh. Yeah. So I think I think you'll really dig that one, too. Okay. Um, I'm so excited. And it will be a really, like, a dramatic change of pace, too. Because yeah. we, we only go to the Baron oh, a yeah, few so you, times. You said we're starting to, like, really pick a momentum now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, uh, I don't think we missed anything. I think we're ready for a deep dive. I did have that one uh, theory about... Uh, uh, kinds. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That I just uh, <clears throat> want to get out there while I have it on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh man, when I'm at work, I can I can listen to podcasts. I can just like plug in for eight hours, and uh, I tend to just listen to our previous chapters just so I have like you keep... poor soul. Oh, Derek. <laughs> just so I can keep my thoughts in order, make like uh, notes on edits that I want to do before I post them. And I was listening to a couple. I was listening to the the dinner one because okay. that was our last uh, chapter that we did. And we were talking about uh, the storehouses. And we were talking about, uh, no, sorry. We are talking about water. In the chapter 15 with the worm, we were talking about uh, the storehouses and how he was reluctant to, like, you know, those are the emperor's property. I can't give those to you. Uh, oh, the the ones with, like, the desert botanical yeah. gear, the testing stations? I think that he's actually using them. And that's where maybe some of that water might be hidden. Ooh. And that's why he's not, I mean, like, that's not the only reason why he's not giving it up, but that's a primary reason. Like, you can't have it. Yeah, he doesn't want you to see because like, we know he's been doing like research right. on the spice potentially. He thinks exactly, all that- and the emperor probably does not care about those. Uh, yeah, those yeah. Holes. I, we- probably, and he may have forgotten they even exist. To be honest, <laughs> so I think that uh, Doctor Kynes is actually using those to his own advantage. Oh, I he like was, that. He's he's kind of. I kinda had was- I had that epiphany. It was another gas moment for me. Like. <gasps> Wait a second. And you. <laughs> so uh, I just, I wanted to get that out there but, That's uh, cool. while I had it. I like that. So we'll see if that develops into anything. We'll have to, the next time we get out to a desert botanical testing station, mm-hmm. we'll check it out. See if there's any uh, evidence of your claim. All right. So we're in the deep end. We We've got a diving board. End. I'm ready to dive. I got something to dive in, Mike. Let's dive deep, Derek. Uh, let's check out the voice. Oh, the voice. the voice. I've been I've been curious about this for so long. I mean, it's big on this one. We got that little teaser of it in the beginning. We mm-hmm. know Paul is studying it. Yeah. He's been trained in it. And then he has to have an accelerated lesson on it now. Which he must be pretty close to done then. There was a month on the crossing. I know, but we haven't. Maybe not done. I, I guess I don't know how long it takes. We but, haven't um, had any moments between the two of them being like, here's your lesson for today. Yeah, yeah. Like, no. I feel like we would have gotten something maybe. We're, well, we're only two days on to Arrakis. Right. So you know and for then, sure we haven't done anything on Arrakis. Yeah. It would have have to been in the crossing and then the, uh, like the, you know, one week in the day that we were on Arrakis before we left. So it's it's been like maybe 10 days-ish if you count like our discrepancy of between the dinner and the, uh, the spice mining trip. How many days were you accounting for that? Uh, oh wait, no, it'd be we were, two weeks. You're right. Yeah, because I think we were saying it most like a, a day or two for the right, right, right. So it would be two weeks because uh, 
a week had passed on Caladan yeah. and then a week for the crossing. No, I think the, I think the crossing was like a month. You think it was a month? Yeah, yeah. I think you're looking at like thirty days. <clears throat> mm, uh, yeah, hmm. I, maybe. I feel like we discussed this though. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, uh, yeah, it's like thirty days. Okay, is where it's gonna land at. Um, so that's why I think. So definitely, at least uh, some lessons have been had. Okay, uh, I'm gonna tell you because Paul is going to be able to do it when we get to him. Okay. So uh, he wasn't just reading the Bible on the cross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we could do both. We could do both. We can multitask, read it in the voice. Yeah. Uh, so, in the voice, Mike. How many weeks uh, was that on the crossing then? Uh, be like four weeks. Wouldn't it be five weeks? Oh, you, I, oh, I had to get you. <laughs> I had to get you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I reclaimed my title. <laughs> I was just like, I said 30 days. What is the problem? You're about to bang your head against the mic. All right, continue. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. So we know roughly what the voice is. Um, we know how it works, but we, we're going to dig into the nitty gritty of it and what is actually going on in your throat when this oh, is happening. Sort of uh, from the encyclopedia? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Purely Ooh. from the encyclopedia. So this is not, um, we might break some canon rules here of like whatever's in like uh, the actual right, game right, right. Spot. It, it adds up pretty good. Uh, and it's just, actually, no, I don't think we're going to break it. It's just trying to use the muscles that are in our throats already to explain how this phenomenon would work. Okay. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've got some input that I could add. I, I do a lot of study of nice. like, yeah, sound I, and how it's produced. Audio is like your bread and butter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're going to hit some hertz here Ooh. Very, very soon. <laughs> so let's give you a, a definition. The idiomatic terminology used to refer to the manipulation of speech to achieve complete control over the receiver. The production of extra um, uh, extra perceptual auditory stimuli. It's going to be like what the voice actually is. So it's sound that is above your um, actual perception of uh, like what you can actually hear. Right. But it is like hitting you. And it is registering on your body. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's in these sort of subliminal ways. And Subliminal? They, oh, yeah, no, it would be subliminal. So it's yeah. like a uh, past human hearing Yeah, perception. exactly. Okay. And uh, so it's capable of implanting a message in the, individuals, in the individual's unconscious, thus creating a compulsion to obey. That's, uh, that almost reminds me of hypnosis. Uh, what, what specifically about hypnosis? Certainly the effect, uh, is similar as I like colloquially know it, but right. is there like a process of hypnosis that you actually know or, um, well, if you look at them, they, they try to, you know, put you under, mm -hmm. um, or in sort of a trance or a non-conscious state trying to address the subconscious and give it cues mm -hmm. to act on. Um, have you ever been to like a, a hypnotist or seen a show before? A show, but nothing that I would believe. Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen some pretty convincing ones. And just a huge cynic yeah. here. So. And like people I've known up on stage is like, why would, did you do that? Mm -hmm. um, I think the big thing with hypnotism, though, is that like, if you don't believe in hypnotism, hypnotism doesn't work on you. So it's like voodoo. It is. I mean, it's. That's part of like how yeah, the guess, voodoo yeah. works. You have to believe in the curse for the curse to work. And then the more you believe I, in it, I the more powerful I guess, it I guess I don't know enough about voodoo, to be honest. Strange little things in the world. <laughs> but uh, no, I thought that was an interesting thing. Uh, I tried to have it done on me. doesn't work on me. Yeah, I'll never buy it. Yeah. Uh, I would just say charlatan, and I would chase it. Well, no, because it's one of those things that, like, a placebo effect, where placebos do work because you believe they're working. Right, but that doesn't mean hypnotism's real. I think it's the same thing as a placebo. Right. right. I'm in saying, my I, opinion. I'm thinking more, I guess, as we go into this, specifically on hypnotism, I think it's the people getting caught up in the crowd mentality. 
and then you're being in front of a crowd and you're already putting yourself in the mental place where like, yeah, I want to accept what this is and that you end up in this whole like cascading kind of thing in your mind. Um, but no, because there are private sessions for hypnotism as well. Yeah, but I think those people are just loony. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't say that. We, <laughs> we yeah, don't no, know who's listening. No, yeah, for sure. It's it's something I'm just telling you. Like, I, I approach it as a cynic. I've only seen it in like a show format. But yeah, they do use it as like an actual form of therapy. <clears throat> and like uh, there's regressive hypnotism to like right. try to get to memories. But I think more of what you're saying where it's uh, putting you in like trying to get you closer to the subconscious state mm-hmm. for that person to communicate to it because they don't have the voice or right. that way to like cut right to right. your it's, it's opening up the recipient's uh, defenses more or less. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, I, I think that's pretty dead on. And this though, we're going to get into uh, how this is physically working, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. I told you, we're going to tap on some hurts. Uh, yeah. I want to, I want to hear uh, about this actually. This is specifically all these waves hitting you. So they use um, cycles per second. CPS. CPS. In their measurements for this thing. And uh, I found that that was, I cycles think. Cycles per second. Mm-hmm. That's like wave cycles? Yeah. So I think it's just the antiquated version of Hertz. Hertz was established in 1930. Right. And uh, so everyone writing this is like a tenured professor basically in 1960. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming their education was done well before 1930. And a frequency is based off the number of cycles per second. So they are a one-to-one conversion. Okay. Hertz just take it over. Hertz just had his name slapped on top of CPS. Yeah. And then now and we have the hurt. Honestly, upgrade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's way better. And um, I'm going to use that going forward as I've just swapped them out right. for Hertz to kind of update it. It made it easier for looking into what other things are in terms of this number CPS or that number. If anyone's unaware of sort of like what Hertz are in terms of sound, it's basically just like very low sounding uh, sounds versus very high pitched. Pitch is really the the best way to describe it. It's low like pitch what, versus high pitch. As that Hertz number increases. Exactly. So okay. low frequency versus high frequency. Okay. And we're going to, I can kind of show you that in, um, they give me some things of like overtones or what we're going to be measuring here with these. Hertz. Ah! Yeah. And uh, so in like normal speech, um, males have an overtone of like 100 to 150 Hertz. Females are like 180 to 250 Hertz. This is just like a broad generalization. That's like kind of the number. And uh, in terms of that's like us speaking in terms of us hearing, we go from uh, uh, do you actually know the low end of it? I have the high end is like around 20,000 hertz. The low end is 20. 20. OK, hearing. it is that low, right? 20 to 20K. Easy, mm-hmm. easy to remember. And then as you age, there's a degradation to your ears and that 20,000 yeah. comes down and it can settle to anywhere like around 14,000. I'd say I'm probably years. about 15 right now. You are? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Like 15, gonna, 15, 50, maybe. Where are you going to end up at 80? Oh, I mean, I'm going to have, like, I'm going to get the gonna little get that, hearing that, aids. I'm uh, going to boost them up. Get that big horn. Uh, big, you know that old school one that <laughs> yeah, the prospector like, would hold it Like in? a phonograph almost. Yeah, yeah. Go old school. Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that, that, that's normal, though, because as you age, you start to lose uh, the sensitivity in your ear. You just can't uh, process those sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Anything we were saying extra perceptory is going to be those things that you can't hear. So that's going to be anything below the 20 hertz or above that 20,000 hertz or whatever your maximum threshold is uh, in your ears. So Bene Gesserit, though, they are able to specifically make overtones, controlled overtones at the 25,000 to 35,000 hertz range. So that's pretty good. You know, what's up? I, get, I haven't looked into this, but I do you think there are, there might be singers that can do that as well? Because hum, that's just human hearing. It's not human production. 
human voice can probably make overtones that go into that range. Uh, yeah, it can. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess actually, I don't know if it, it can. So I don't know if we can get that high. But It'd be we, hard to control because you can't but hear it, but it yourself. Mean, yeah, yeah. We can make noises that we can't yeah. hear, and uh, they they actually talk about that a little bit in mm -hmm. this uh, when we go into the background and we get into the future tech of how they got here. Um, so uh, these overtones are all created by uh, manipulation of your larynx, and we're just adjusting your vocal cords essentially, right. and uh, changing the tension on them through the different muscles in there, and. We know, Bene Gesserit, you hit on this last time, control. That's yeah. their bread and butter. They can control every individual muscle in their throat and the different parts and stretch the cords in different ways. And what that allows them to do is um, they can make these overtones. They can do it kind of simultaneously while talking to you so that their normal voice, it doesn't change in pitch or volume. It just stays the same, but then this like high pitch tone is cutting in right through to you. It was like uh, they have external muscles that they can act to uh, elevate or depress the larynx, like during swallowing. And in contrast, internal muscles act to move like individual components of the larynx too. And these are all going to play vital roles in the uh, phonation of. Uh, and we also had a phonation. Yeah, yeah. Did you get a phoneme as a word too? No. Uh, it was one of the ones, and it was just sort of like uh, any part of a word that makes a sound whether it be like a beginning middle and end and that has to do with phonetic yeah right okay. uh and it was just one of those words uh that kind of when i looked up it was right in 1950 like peaks up in usage i just love seeing those in 1915 yeah, yeah like right at 50, 1950 like 50. Right, always right oh, right, like right, 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 right when, when frank's like starting to like his study research and, and his yeah. work and writing i just find these words that come up um same uh we'll find one it was all just frank it was just him <laughs> it's just it's dune effect <laughs> Um, but so, like I said, these, uh, Bene Gesserit, they can create these overtones that are so much higher, uh, we're right. in 25 to 35,000 and uh, just exceeding these normal phonation ranges. And by doing that, they're able to do it, I think I said, without affecting the pitch or the volume of the voice that's heard. So these are all extra perceptual and they're cutting through to hit stimuli in you. What without affecting the so, pitch in which they say yeah, it. Yeah. So like, I just talked to you, Mike, la, la, okay. la, la, la. And in the middle of that, I've slipped in, you know, some like high beam frequency that is going to cut right into your cortex right, I'm gonna and make you do something. I'm going to give you a quick lesson on overtones and harmonics. Overtones. So overtones or harmonics require a bass line. So the fundamental note in which you're hitting, that fundamental frequency will say. Okay. So you're saying that they don't need to change their fundamental frequency, but they can change the overtone that they give off. Yes. Okay. Uh, that's actually used in some singing. Like, uh, what kind? Of, it, well, it's can you say what kind? Of, it's it's called yeah. It's called. I'm not normally in this seat, no. Mike. I'm asking <laughs> well, questions. What do I do here? So it's called tonal singing. Um, but people probably know it closer to throat singing. Specifically, it's popular in like oh, Tibet, Tibetan or Mongolia, mm -hmm. like throat singing. It's a very distinct. Is sound. it is it all Eastern oriented? No, not at all. Okay. Were there like some Catholic monks that figured it out too? Well, no. I mean, like even like in the 1920s, we've got some American throat singers. Not the greatest, mind you. <laughs> like, not to we throw shade on them. We all know. Not to throw shade on them, but like, who are you really learning from? Like, <laughs> who taught you this? Uh, whereas I think it was passed down just as like a different way to do it. Okay. Um, especially because some of the instruments they have uh, not as many strings as some of the ones we do. So it's a way to produce extra sounds. Tonal singing in general, you can usually make two sounds. And so you'll actually have like a couple throat singers going okay. at it. And mm. together they can make up to four notes. You need three notes to really make a chord with character. <laughs> uh -huh. So usually you want two people. Okay. Um, which is great because you could do three notes for the chords and then one could be doing a melody. 
That is beautiful. Yeah. So, um, but the way it works is you usually have a uh, foundation frequency, mm-hmm. and that's your drone sound. That's sort of the baseline. Okay. And that's and then, like if the Bene Gesserit was speaking, that would be their voice. That would be their voice. Yeah. That would be Jessica. Like I've not dismissed you through fear. Exactly. That's her fundamental frequency. Um, the overtone is some multiplication, some additive uh, integer of whatever that frequency is. So if she said that, would you say a uh, female frequency was about one fifty? Yeah. So if she said that at a frequency of 150, mm-hmm. an overtone. Oh, sorry, it would be like, uh, let's go 200. 200, okay. Number. So if she said that at 200, an overtone of that would be 400. Uh-huh. That'd be the first overtone. The second overtone would be 600, and so on, just adding 200, because the fundamental was 200. Is uh, As that hertz increases, is that more energy in it? Not necessarily more energy. It's just a higher pitch. Okay, just like that. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that throat singers can do that is they adjust just actually exactly how you're describing they can adjust the shape of their larynx how the vocal flaps take in air Mm -hmm. they adjust their pharynx which is above the larynx (laughs) (laughs) don't ask me why i know this we're gonna learn them all yeah but it's basically like right the it's the point where like your nasal cavity and your mouth meet your throat that's the pharynx they can adjust that with some muscles they can adjust the shape of their mouth via their cheeks their tongue their lips they can adjust the shape of that so all of that combined they get a drone sound as the fundamental frequency, sure. and then they can get a harmonic frequency on top of that based off of the additional shapes that you're producing. Oh, using their mouth in the yeah. other thing. Because I was going to say, the Bene Gesserit it did mention they used, um, it was like the nasal cavity, oral cavity, and uh, I think there was one other component in there. Yeah. yeah. Of like using those spaces and stuff, and that whole kind of, your whole you know head becomes the instrument. That's so to really speak. it. So instead of tonal singing, it's tonal speaking. Mm-hmm. So that that's sort of like the uh, the modern day equivalent that I can I can share with you. That is awesome. And I said those were just like the one, two, and three tonal frequencies. Depending on what your range is as a singer, and I guess this case in a speaker. And since the bending chests do have total control over the muscles, total they control. could probably finagle them to get into those incredibly high registers that are beyond human hearing. Oh yeah, and what would be more is they would know, right? Because they can actually hear it. What? By being able to create these stimuli, they are able to. So their minutia is not only visual; it uh, minutia of perception is also auditory, sensory. Yeah, that is just so cool. It, it's like culminative sensory. Be, I want like, that. <laughs> eye smells like they're going to notice humidity. That's so all good. All these things like uh, the feeling of the air on your skin. Like this is all stuff that's always um, on their mind. And there's, yeah, there's a little bit of math involved in that, too. If she is tuning into a specific frequency that's beyond that range, mm-hmm. she needs to know like, oh, that's the frequency I need to get for this individual to key into this like uh, physical or emotional response. I need to do this bass frequency at the very least in order to get there. And well, it sounds like they would have to change it based on what word they're going to use. Exactly. In the voice that so that's too. that's just very interesting and very exciting to me because as as uh, sort of someone that loves the psychoacoustics, mm. that's a deeper level of commitment and knowledge and control for the Benny Gesserit to just exude yeah. on a whim. Granted, I think in this case Jessica was prepared to do it, but yeah, can you I, imagine someone just using the voice in response or in an instant? how much precision you need for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll see that point. That's incredible to We're me. gonna watch, uh, Jessica will have to use the voice on someone she met in an instant. Are you kidding me? Did you not? We'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh uh, no. I mean, it's it's not always 100%, and you're gonna see some points of That's, like, cool, this is how you use the voice, like, in a dangerous situation. Right, okay. Because we've only oh. seen, we've seen it basically in laboratory settings. You can almost use, a, do you think you can use it almost like a flashbang to just like disorient someone for even a moment? Ooh, I, I don't want to answer that one. Oh, okay. I want to kind of leave that of, uh, okay. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, uh, yeah, so th- that's I'll what... let you see. I'll actually explain a little bit because we're going to go into a little bit of uh, kind of uh, the brain, Mike. I got to talk to you about the brain. Okay. And that's yeah. the next part of this. So th- those were the big things about overtones that I wanted to explain. Overtone. There is uh, one cool bit I did learn in this and that uh, it is possible for us regular humans to hear above the 20,000 hertz. The only thing stopping us is our middle ear. The way it's evolved over time, it blocks that out. Right, because you've got the three bones in your ear that reverberate, process mm-hmm. the sound. So the middle of your ear just cannot take those frequencies. Right. And it, it can't rattle at that speed, more or less. Yeah, yeah. It's like I don't I don't know. Uh, I didn't get what was actually preventing it from like relaying it on. But yeah, right. it ends up I mean, this I don't actually it, it doesn't know, interpret so. it. But if you are able to get it to um, kind of the sound to reverberate through like your jawbone and go back, you can get they, behind that part. They of have you. they have a bone induction hearing actually. We are, uh, they're actually bone induction microphones and uh, speakers. Uh, the military uses them for. Uh, it's a way that soldiers you can actually like basically whisper and yeah. have completely clear communication that, to one another. Oh, it's so cool. And to hear like the microphone is attached to your, or I'm sorry, yeah, the speaker is attached to your jaw. Why don't we have those right now? Like, why like... do we have this setup? <laughs> Let's get some of those. I imagine that's to do with money. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, big thing with the voice. Let's go into the brain yeah. a little bit because this is also going to rely on in a 1960s understanding of the brain. So I imagine it's dated. <laughs> um, <laughs> What? 50 years. <laughs> we probably, 60, assu- we probably assumed we had it all. <laughs> Close that book. Uh, we're going to look at the cerebral cortex. And at the time, and I think this holds true, three-fourths of the cerebral cortex are not tied to any specific sensory or muscular function. And they just called it uncommitted areas. Wait, what? So it's just sort of like we don't know what it does. <laughs> okay. Or, you know, specifically what that one, like, it doesn't always tie to one thing. It must be like, uh, you know, a lot's going on where it's all operating on more than one level. But nonetheless, they come up with a solution in the encyclopedia. Okay. So let's just call that the uncommitted areas. And I am super unfamiliar with this. It does seem like there was uncommitted zones and uncommitted areas were the two interchangeable words I found when, like, trying to find this stuff on mm-hmm. Google. And uh, uncommitted uh, areas is what I had to go with. They call it zones in the book, so I think that's the more antiquated term for it, mm-hmm. of zones of the brain, okay. so to speak. Um, but they think that this uh, this three-fourths that isn't tied to any part of our body or, you know, directly tied to some, like, reaction, they think it goes directly to the unconscious. Oh. And specifically, post-God Emperor... I got to, because this is when the encyclopedia takes Book place four, in Book world. Four. I'm no, sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Nope, no, post. This is, where the enci- five. this is where the encyclopedia takes place in world. Is thousands of years after God Emperor, we find this archive of uh, historical documents. That's what the encyclopedia is. But after, God Emperor is the last one they had available when they wrote the encyclopedia. Correct. So does this hold up into five and six? That's where, uh, it's a little breaking, but for the most part, yes. Right. What was the, what were the names for five and six? I'm trying to get uh, them all memorized. Heretics now. of Dune Heretics. and Chapter House Dune. All right, so Heretics is five and Chapter House is six. And uh, you know about another Chapter House, right? <laughs> on Gamont. Yeah, there's, well, no, there's a school on Gamont. But there's a chapter house on Wallach 9. Okay. Did we talk about this? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's where <laughs> no, I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, that's where Jessica went to school. That's where right. Lady Margaret went to school. That's yeah, that's sort of like the, the headquarter chapter house. I'm just them. saying, Chapter House Dune is the name of the book. Are we going to Wallach 9 for that? Chapter House Dune. So we're making a chapter house on Arrakis? On Arrakis. It's definitely where it's going to be. How far uh, ahead in the future is it? I don't know. Do I, I care I... right now? Uh, no, definitely not. <laughs> no. Not enough that it would be relevant. Tell you what, in five but, years when we read that book, I'll let you know how I feel. I just wanted to see if that, clearly that you were not intrigued by that at all. <laughs> I thought you would be. Um, 
Derek, like, I'm already angry enough that I, I can't read this book in like a single <laughs> week. One, you can't go beyond a chapter. Oh. Um, so this is all found thousands and thousands of years later. Okay. Uh, so they have the beauty of hindsight uh, looking back on things. And this guy is looking in and in their world. So it's way past Paul Moadib. So Moadib is all ancient history. Oh, God, what? that's so hard to imagine right so now. So they're able to look back and be like, the cerebral cortex, that three quarters, is partitioned off from the rest of the brain via static fields. Beyond these static fields that are in your brain is every past experience and thought process of every ancestor you've ever had. That sounds a lot like Kwisatch Haderach. That's exactly, but that's what he's saying. It's so in the far from future, we're able to nail down de facto that it is in everybody's brain but only the Moadib line was able to tap into it at that point and make use of those voices for everyone else. It's like every moment of deja vu you've ever had, every moment where you think you know something, but you don't know why. It's those voices leaking into your head, your dreams, all that inspiration. It's all coming from there. And they're just saying, like, they know for a fact the three quarters of the brain that no one knows how to get into, that's what that is. So the Kwisatch Haderach is basically just a genetic mutation. He, Where that static field is not really there. Yeah, precisely. That's, or not well, that it's well, not there. It's it's still there, but you're able to permeate it. Okay. He's able because Paul retains himself. It's not impossible. We have a lot to dive into when we finally get into the voices oh and stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, That's really cool though. So for now I'm gonna leave that force field up. So no, there I go. No, 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 no. Um, so these areas all communicate directly with the unconscious. Okay. And that's what the voice is going to do as well. That is so and cool. That little reservoir is just in all of our heads. So it's like, oh man. Now, so it's almost combining the hypnosis with like the harmonic speaking. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like bundled in. And then that's cool. We're throwing in a whole another hand bone with just like, and all your family's there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just throwing their two cents. I feel like the uh, response to that they take as like once the subconscious takes that message is a physical or emotional reaction that your subconscious is taking, which is why oh, you're yes, so surprised yes. when it happens. Yeah, that and uh, well, it's also I mean, it is whatever the person wants, because like one of the cool things about the voice is that it is not dependent on any training or conditioning done to the receiver. Right. It registers on the receiver. And that also means that I don't need to speak your language. Because like, it's just I, the frequency. If, if I got your frequency yeah. and I knew how to impart that meaning, like I could cut that right through to you. That's uh, cool. But I bet they have knowing your language makes it an immensely easy. I bet they have different frequencies for each person based on what they want that person to do. Uh, yeah, so as I was saying, you, it literally is dependent on every word you're going to use in the phrase. You're adjusting for that. Because mm-hmm. it's going to be based on those phonemes. So each phoneme needs to be adjusted individually to reach your target. That's so good. So like every, she has to one, think of the sentence, think of the target, think of the objective. Now get all of that to line up into one like perfect shape. Really makes me appreciate that line through fear. I did not dismiss you so much better. <laughs> <laughs> and puts him in his place. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that's sort of like uh, the physiological function of like the voice. That's really cool. And uh, I only got a little bit of background for it. Um, but basically, the Bene Gesserit, uh, where you're using knowledge of physics and psychology to develop the voice that were available to everyone else the whole time. They were the only ones to crack it, though, using the spice, they think, too. And the biggest thing was helping them get through that barrier, the static fields. 
Now, uh, Primitive Man may have thought there were sounds we could not hear, and we're talking about Terra. Right. Uh, they refer to all these little toys we used to make uh, that can measure all these meaningless things that, like, uh, okay. they're like, yeah, they thought it was cute and fun. Uh, we don't know why they bothered measuring all these little bits. Because basically, we're record every bit of a voice that we're recording, they're like, they're missing so much of it. Yeah. Uh, like, why like, would you only measure, like, a quarter of it? Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys, this whole kind of, like, rating and hearing and stuff. Uh, and then it's when I get to contemporary neuroscientist to the God Emperor of Dune. That's going to be the one who is talking about breaking through with this and that uh, how Moabdeed's line is one of the only ones to harness the voices within uh, and then almost become, I think, sort of immune to the use of the voice once you can get past that barrier. Uh, and then they have access to, like I said, every kind of person in their previous thought. And it's sort of interesting how that's sort of bundled in with the voice. And uh, that is kind of it for my background. So it's I not until God Emperor. Mm-hmm. that the neuroscientists representing the community as a whole are aware of what the Bene Gesserit have done. Oh. So that means for the entire time of God Emperor, that holds true. That's that really cool. Of like, they really buried this one. And they're, the, they're the only ones who are have this power at their disposal. I can think of someone in your life that has the voice. Who's, <laughs> yeah. Who is it, Mike? Your mother. <gasps> have you ever true. had your mother yell your entire name? Oh, yeah, uh, it's a classic. The Doesn't way- that just sort of stop you in your tracks? It's just the middle name. <laughs> yep. It really is, but Once here's the thing. Name it through. evokes a physical response in you. It does. Uh, one of my favorite things is I used to work at a movie theater, and uh, it was a rundown, no good movie okay, theater, yeah. and uh, had uh, like five theaters through it. Every now and then, a kid would go running through the middle of it, and honestly, it doesn't matter if he runs. I don't care, but if you yell no running to a little kid, they stop oh. and they go upright right away. Yeah. And then they do like this really fast, funny walk. Had you uh, read Dune by that point? Oh, yeah. Where you're just oh, like, oh, Whoa. no, no, I didn't. I read it after. Because oh. uh, my uh, buddy Chooch gave me it. Uh, and that was how I got Dune. Was that's right like, after I that's lived a, there. That's voice light. That's it, what it, it is. is. I just knew it. Uh, but yeah, I, I just love doing that because it was just hilarious. But, uh, and then, yeah, it's a physiological response. So, yeah, I think combining those three things that we uh, can measure, that we have experience, can sort of like put A to B to. We know about hypnosis, whether or not you believe in it, Derek, which is <laughs> Thank fine. You. Thank you. Um, we know about some sort of uh, physical response, such as like with someone yelling, stop running or your mother yelling her full name. Uh, yeah, just like that. Uh, anything you've been bra- uh, entrusted in authority into. Yeah. yeah. Or your cat meowing at you and just mm-hmm. sort of melting the butter. Baby crying. Yeah, baby crying. That's a big one. Uh, I've got a whole thing on baby crying. We don't have enough time to go. I don't that, think we though. do. <laughs> but uh, which is a shame. It seems straightforward I, enough. Yeah, but. yeah it's, it's fine. But uh, and then, of course, we have the fact that the human voice can make these overtone sounds mm-hmm. and all of that paired with uh, Frank Herbert's motif of taking humanity and their abilities to the ultimate extreme extrapolation. Yeah. I think that's where we get the voice. Yeah. And I think we have a little bit of ground there. Isn't that cool? It is. It is really I think cool. that's cool. I think ground ground impossibility. Yeah. 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 What you spelled out is amazing. So that's, yeah, I'm really happy with that. I think the voice is uh, one of those interesting things where uh, very rarely do you get to see a cool superpower that you're like, oh, I, I might be able to get that. Yeah. I might be able to actually get that one day. It's, yeah, no, it's just, oh, I that, love it. That is my deep dive. Do you have any questions on the voice? Is uh, there any, any lingering ones? Oh, I do have another uh, emotional response for you, though. Okay. Or if it's actually try- not emotional. Well, it could be emotional, but it's more of a physical response. You think it's like a, you're going to a stimulus trigger? Yeah, for sure. It's time for the glossary game. <laughs> oh, what are these tears coming down my oh, face? Oh, oh God. Oh. How, how has the glossary game been, Mike? I Lovely. have. You know, no- I didn't know what I was going to do for it until like maybe 30 seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, you, did, you did good. Yeah. That's all right. Uh, you want a B plus? Uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a B plus. So I grade with a question the mark. old college try. <laughs> <laughs> if you will. 
Um, Derek, looking at your scores, you're not going to get into secondary school. Do we need to sit down for a review? (laughs) Um, 19 to 15. I've been using the wrong glossary. (laughs) Oh, no. This is 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. All right. Every now and then, you know, you got to go downhill to get uphill. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So last week's words, we had Karama. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what that was? I do remember what that is. um, I interpreted it as like uh, something in the material world affecting sort of the heavenly world. And it was the opposite. It's like the spiritual world changing the physical world, right? Yeah. What's the exact An action initiated from the spirit world. Layman's terms, a miracle. I, I think that's the part I keep initiated from the spirit world, which right. makes it like, it like takes, a higher or like mysterious power. Well, just that the whole action still occurs in the physical, but just yeah. like initiated from the physical, I think is a, a unique spirit, distinction. Yeah. That's cool. So that was Karama, and we had that in the Dune board game as Dune one of our, uh, yep. like, uh, the deck of cards. The deck of cards that can Which, wildly, like, now I think, like, those were the miracle cards. Yeah, those they were, wildly yeah, they made change the you. outcomes of events. Uh, I think I had a donkey as a Karama. That was really sad. Well, I mean, Mike, don't you remember your favorite donkey thing? My favorite? Oh, strap a shield on a donkey, slap its ass, <laughs> yeah. and off. Like, of course it's Go a get him. You just sent every Actually, worm pretty, after whatever. pretty pragmatic. Yeah. Uh, until you get, like, 30 worms coming. You've had like, some Whoa. really good... Also, put a shield in the kiddie pool. Kill every worm. Yeah. You know, Your I, shield I, techniques are on par. <laughs> You're a one-trick pony, but it's working. <laughs> oh, boy. And the second word. The second word was Mudir Naya. Ah, Mudir Naya yeah. was the name for our boy... The Beast Rabban, meaning uh, demon was Mudir, and um, I don't remember Naya. Ruler. Ruler, demon ruler. Now, we, we were talking on the way uh, way back here today that you had wished you had said something else. What was that? Oh, um, I, oh, what was it? Yeah, I had wished, so I mean, I'd like a, I want to correct my wrong answer <laughs> to a different wrong answer. <laughs> Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Oh, I just went on and saying that the, uh, the Fremen should have, uh, I said like Fremen teacher, and just went on this religious tangent. And since we had touched on death, I can't believe I missed and didn't say that it wouldn't be like a death still operator or like the person running the death still for the. I would have thought that would be great. It would have been cool for a thing to talk about an interesting concept. I didn't see anything like that in the glossary, though. Yeah, I don't think there's why a name it would be for so it. cool. It's only in this guy's head. Oh, right no. Here. <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, but yeah, so failed both of those failed two before that, too. Yeah. Or, but, or was it one and one and one and one before? No, um, it was two and two. Oof. You've had a you've had a rough one. It's a rough streak. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? This is uh this is your new crucible. I feel like I've been caught on the erg with an improper skill set. <laughs> oh, no. Water discipline. More than a thimble a day, Mike. We're going camping again this weekend. Right? We're going to prepare better. better. Still suits galore. I got two new words for you. Okay. Uh, one, I fully expect you to get. Excellent. And the other one, I don't really know. <laughs> I love how I... <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like, Jessica, I'm setting the room up for me. <laughs> oh, I just feel like you're legally obligated to tell me you have one that you're going to get and one that I'm going to get. <laughs> the other one, I think uh, you might get. I, I didn't actually know it, but uh, after I did some research into the origin of the word, I'm like... Okay, this is probably something I should have learned. I don't know why I don't know this term. Okay, but, so you might you might know this one. I like the build up for that one. Um, so first one, I want you to tell me about the cone of silence. Oh, oh yeah, I know a cone of silence. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so tell me about it. Okay, so Mike, yeah. let's say you gotta have a say a quiet conversation while a deadly Cheops game is going. Oh, by. okay. You're gonna step to the side and you're gonna go into what's known as a cone of silence, and uh, I believe it is like a device that is sort of like. Uh, I think they mount them like poison snoopers. I don't know if it's like portable. I'm pretty sure in the circumstance we see it come up, it's going to be like a, a sort of set piece. And they know like, oh, we're nobles. Like we can go have a conversation here. And it's going to, it's not visual and it's not like walking into something. But essentially what's, um, you know, 
how there's sort of like a frequency you can play back to nullify a sound. Yeah. Uh, so when you look at a wave, it's got the crests and the troughs, the dips. Yeah. And you. So what you, you do is you take the inverse of that, so that the crests are uh, opposite of each other, mm-hmm. and it's making like the yeah. energy is just negating each that's, other. That's called the phase, and you flip the phase, so you have an opposite wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two waves will actually just cancel each other out and make like a null sound. Right. So is there is there a word for that process? It, it's called. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Oh, uh, it's called destructive waves. Okay. Yeah. So I think it makes uh, like a destructive wave for any sound around you yeah. or from your sound coming out. But basically, like no one is able to hear into that cone from outside of it. Uh, okay. So they're they're adding. Uh, they're taking the sound, flipping the phase. I do, well. So I don't know how the cone of silence actually works. That's what, ta- what I'm speculating on. Okay. Uh, but I'm just telling you. Like, so if you have a conversation in this cone, no one is hearing a word outside of it. That is cool. And like when, uh, say, you need to talk about like betraying a certain duke, uh, you have it in a cone of silence. That is that awesome. Is my cone of silence, it's and cool. it sounds funny. Your dry spells over, Derek. Your dress fell oh, over. I've you, seen the water. You got the magic, uh, the magic sentence I wanted to hear. The field of a distorter that limits the carrying power of the voice or any other vibrator by dampening the vibrations with an image vibration 180 degrees out of phase. Wait, it says image vibration? Yeah, so uh, uh, an auditory image is just sort of like. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, I, I, like, I didn't realize. I was like, was there a visual taking component that waveform mm-hmm. and flipping it. Yeah, very cool. So. Uh, it's exactly what you said. Yes. I'm very impressed. I mean, admittedly, um, a little bit of an easy one. So uh, this is one of the few things that works against the voice. Oh, yeah, oh, uh, you know what else works against voice? Hmm. Being deaf. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, <laughs> that's trying to true. That's screwdriver. Really good one. Yeah, we're good. Um, but uh, fun thing, we have these day to day, every Do single we? day. Yeah, every single day, every single day. Okay. I mean, and, I, I don't have one. I I, I should get one. But have you ever heard of Bose headphones? Sure, sure. Yeah, noise-canceling headphones. You know why it cancels noise? It makes that destructive wave, right? Yeah. Because it, 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 like, there's a, a microphone, microphone on the outside, yeah. takes the sounds, takes that image, auditory image, mm-hmm. reverses it out of flips the face, yep. and then puts it back out so it cancels the incoming sound. Then all you hear is the sound coming out of your own headphones and drivers with the music you want or the podcast you want because everyone's listening to spice world pod on their airplanes i i've actually been listening to episode one on loop Uh, (laughs) (laughs) all the other all the other honestly (laughs) that's not our greatest episode no the audio is yeah it's funky yeah i think Uh, it gets better after like four or something like that but anywho it's gotten nostalgia uh yeah so that that is a real world device we have i think this is a bigger version where it's like an entire like well, and feel they can affect a couple bodies. Well, and you think of uh, the bows, though, is directing it at you. Like how would, this thing is like, I believe, mounted on the ceiling, kind of pointed down. But like uh, someone across the room can't point a microphone towards you in here. Oh, okay. that's what. It, so like it's got that. I little, guess uh, in this context, I don't know how the device is mounted or if it is mounted. Just a uh, field. Of okay, restore. yeah. Let me paint the paint scene is like literally two two grown men are having a conversation like in a hallway mm-hmm. in a crowded area. So they're just offset a little bit under like an archway. Okay. Where they know the cone of silence is. Well, if it's under an archway, it that's a, I mean, that's a, a semicircle. It could sure. oh, have, you th- you it think maybe have, like, like the alcove is constructed yeah. in such a way to like. Because sound doesn't just go in a straight line from wherever a speaker sure, is going. Sure, yeah. It expands outward. Yeah. And they could like t- totally cater yeah. the environment to like uh, that device. It's like, you know, like a flashlight when you like put the, uh, the lens on like super what wide. What if I said no? Flashlight? I would never, slap you. Never <laughs> <seen>. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the same idea with sound where like sound is a wave. 
it travels outward in a very yeah. Wide you can arc. like kind of narrow yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's super so, cool. That's very cool. I, I think it does work dead on. Yeah. I, I'm glad we got to talk about that. I know I kind of knew you would have an idea of it, but uh, I'm glad we got to talk about it while we were talking about sound. Hey, pity points are points. Hey, no, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I wasn't actually sure if you were going to get that because I didn't know if you do enough homework on that one. Woo! But uh, now I'm glad I can show you exactly how it works Ooh, with, with the phase. Okay. And the, the image. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the phase image is so cool. Yeah, second word, Razia. Uh, okay, my, I do know Razia. You do know Razia. I do, because it's a funny word. How do you not like that word when you say it? It's pretty, well, <laughs> I, I looked up the pronunciation first to make sure I didn't butcher it, because I've just butchered so many. I'm glad that this is a real world example that I can get numerous pronunciations on. Is is it an actual word? Oh yeah. Oh, cool. I would love to work because it is a um, it's a raid uh that you do, and I think it is it specifically one you don't do like um like a it's like a black ops kind of raid. Uh, I think it might be like off the books. Either way, like mm. it's definitely like when you go off planet. Right, right, right. Um, so like uh, when the Duke wanted to hit the Harkonnen Starkpile, that was Arasia. Right, right. And when he's like, get some, get some uh, Harkonnens, do it. And we're going to get to a point later on where we're actually going to use the word. And we're yeah. going to go on another Razia. We're still going to KD Prime, though. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the only place we do a Razia. Yeah, you nailed it. It's a semi-piratical guerrilla raid. A semi-piratical Yeah. Semi-piratical? But is, yeah. Oh, so is that the Black Ops part, then? Well, Maybe? no, the, the piratical is taking what you can. When, uh... Okay. What was it? Uh, what was Gurney's homeworld? Uh, Chusik. So when the Harkonnens went to Chusik... That was Arazia. Mm -hmm. They, you know, raised the place, which is where that term also comes from. Raised? Yeah. Okay. And they took, what, 50,000 slaves with them? That they did and killed the Piratical. rest. Piratical. I guess here's the thing. Where I thought I would have learned it is it was a very popular term in World War II. The Nazis were infamous for Razia roundups. And they were just mainly called the Nazi roundups. And what they would do is any occupied city they had control of that mm -hmm. wasn't like their own. Just randomly, they would just collect people off the streets. Didn't care who it was, uh, if they were uh, Jewish or not. They would collect them, throw them into concentration camps or execution camps just because. Just like instill fear? Yeah, basically just to make a point of their power. Mm. That is wild. Oh, that's messed up. Do you, have a, do you have a brighter spot we can end the glossary game on? Um, the score is now 1917. You're making a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Hey, at least there were no Nazis in 1917. But I'll take you're it. You're welcome for your history lesson. Yeah, no, that, that was cool. That was a good one. Uh, if I missed anything or butchered anything, uh, please let me know, because I'd be happy to go back and eat my own words. Oh, yeah. Because I mean, like, I'm just I'm just trying to learn as much as I can. Yeah. If I'm wrong. I don't want to be no. wrong for the rest of my life. Tell me. It takes a village, man. Yeah. We need everyone's help. That's true. Uh, with that, I think that does it. I, I think it does. That brings it right to an end. That's good. Uh, if you guys, if you got a question for us, you know a line we could afford, uh, thank you again, Nicole. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, was it Still Mini, Still Nicole? Still Mini, Still Nicole. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter at Spice World Pod. Uh, you can reach us by email at SpiceWorldPod at gmail.com. And if I could... Pause right there. Did we give a shout out to our... You know what? Our brand new email from our, our Jeff. Our first email. Oh. He sent us an email in and we just want to thank you so much. We were very grateful. We didn't think anyone was listening. No. And I just encourage you guys. Yeah. If you have any questions or you just want to say a word and say a hi 
We would love to hear from you, and we will reach back to you, give you a little shout out. Yeah, so it was uh, it was Jeff Tips, our first official Gmail response, which I'm you know very happy for. It's a couple weeks out. We're recording chapter seventeen right now. Yeah, I think this was on like chapter fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. So we're you know we're a little bit behind. I think we're gonna be about two to three weeks ahead. Sure. So behind so the scenes, just so you guys know, we're not we're, we're we not forgetting forget about you. you. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know in our responses back. But Jeff Tips, thank you for writing to us. You said you had several false starts with this book over the years, uh, mainly because the world building of the first seven or so chapters is a little overwhelming. I hear that all the time. You know, what? and actually, we I hope you keep my little uh, monologue I put in last chapter of uh, the appendices and just like oh, spoilers yeah. for people and how I just think that is very subjective. And I hope everyone approaches it in whatever way gets you through the book, because for the love of God, I want everyone to read Dune. Yeah. Uh, come on this adventure. That, with I mean, us. that's sort of how you got me too. just yeah, day yeah. by day, uh, as long as I keep pestering you. Um, but yeah, I hope Jeff is making it along with, and Hey, Jeff, if you get stuck, you, you contact us right away. <laughs> we're going to help you get along. Uh, cause we're not, we're, no one gets left behind. We're making it to the end together. Solidarity. Solidarity. But yeah, so we got that. That's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. You made our day. Um, and of course we have our website, spiceworldpod.com. It's, uh, it's I, growing. It's growing. I've spruced it up a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I you've finally had, got enough format. You've them all. Yeah, you've I got not what them all means. I was going to include a salam leak, Mike. Don't worry. <laughs> we have a welcome room. We have a garden. I'm using it properly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I think we're going to start adding a little bit of extras. Um, we haven't always made good on our promises to sort of follow up on words or our maps or documents. We're going to start adding a section to that so that you guys can always just sort of refer to any little uh, Easter egg or goodies that we have hiding around. Mm-hmm. Recently, uh, a few chapters back, there was a uh, letter, yeah, letter that from... I promised I was going to make yeah. from the heart-to-heart between Duke and mm-hmm. Duke Leto and Paul. And Paul, yeah, the last one. And uh, I went ahead and did that. And I actually, I, I spruced it up. I made it sort of look pretty. And so you can totally download that, zoom in. It's just, it's a handwritten letter from Leto to Paul. <laughs> um, and it is actually quite a funny read. It's just all of his dialogue from the chapter minus maybe one or two sentences that don't make sense as direct responses okay but uh well, you took a little like, editorial uh, like oh comment. i see paul like i left that one out i got gotcha. it <laughs> but uh I, I liked what you read it was funny and the the bits where he says i'm tired were great breaks in it yeah and it looks like an insane man writing a letter i mean it looks uh, like a man that hasn't slept for several days several days so i, I think everyone should take a read from that and keep it in that context and i wonder if uh, you'll enjoy it as much as we did yeah uh oh, moments are kind of great <laughs> we also have a little project i've been working on mike what and uh this is going to be something i can't do it fully until we're done with the section because it might interrupt the glossary game but we're going to index we're going to index the glossary so we're taking each so like word. where everything appears in the book yeah oh that's and, really cool and what chapter it's all in can we just include like a quick like what sentence or two of that? Yeah, yeah, like pull like the actual blurb. kind of the line out. Oh, that's in text a really good idea. Um, and I so I've been doing the words that you've already used is where I'm starting. Okay. <laughs> uh, we have having a PDF of the book is amazing because because <laughs> you can just control F. control F, yeah, and search through it. And obviously, it was I also searchable, and I found all the chapters with El Marte. Side thing, uh, he's in a few more. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I think I, he's been in more than he should have even now, to be honest. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Um, but I think that's just a cool thing while we're going through the and paying such close attention to the glossary. Uh, I couldn't help, and I got to like plug a few of these yeah. in. So, and some of them only show up on a few. Pl- Amperos, only place it shows up is this chapter. Uh, so weird. There is um, one I told you only shows up in the appendices. So cool little things like that. And uh, yeah. for anyone that's read the book multiple times, I think you're going to really dig it. 
Uh, and we just got to figure out how we're going to present it. Because I kind of want to put it on the show notes page as well, but also maybe give it its own, uh, you were saying like an extras page. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, uh, everything I'll figure into. out. I'm getting more and more comfortable with WordPress. Yeah. So check that out, guys. Look forward to it. And if there's anything else in Dune that you guys, I mean, we're going through this with such a fine tooth comb. If we can pull anything out for you, let's compile it. Yeah, for uh, sure. Why not? We already know what characters are in every chapter. I've actually, you can graph that by the time I'm done with that. Oh! Because it's all oh, in the spreadsheet. Cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it'll look great, but we're going to try it. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think, uh, oh no. That Wait, is Windows us. one of the chapters? What's that? Is Windows one of the characters in the chapters? <laughs> Windows and Amorte? It's the first thing. <laughs> Paul's next, bud. Windows, Paul, Amorte. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back for chapter 18 next week, Mike. And we're going to catch Lido coming home uh, from the command post. Ooh. That said, it has been two days since the dinner party. Oh. So wait, he's coming back from the command post mm-hmm. two days since the dinner party. So does he even know that Thufir and Jessica spoke? Ooh. Well, for what's happened in between that time, I'm going to have to be a little coy. And uh, let oh. me redo this line from the next chapter oh. and leave you with one of those. Okay. 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 <clears throat> it goes as so. The note read, a column of smoke by day a pillar of fire by night. There was no signature. What does it mean, he wondered. The messenger had gone without waiting for an answer, and before he could be questioned, he had slipped into the night like some smoky shadow. That's my quote for next chapter. Chapter 18. An ally or an enemy? Mm. I feel like an ally. That's a warning. To who? (gasps) Do you think it's Dr. Kynes? Do you think it's Dr. Yui? Oh, What? Could that note you think his guilt's getting to him? Oh, ooh, oh! I think you're just throwing me off my game. <laughs> of course, Damn it, Derek. That's exactly what I'm doing. <sighs> but Mike, uh, I think all that's gonna have to wait until <laughs> next time. The, the spice, spice must flow. Fucking go. All right, get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>